What's going on everybody? John on here with you. It's that time again. We got the late night matchup, so let's get to it. Calgary Flames 31, 24, and 15 on the season. Head coached by Daryl Sutter. It's Elias Lindholm, Andrew Mangiapane, Tyler Toffoli, Mackenzie Weger, and Rasmus Anderson. Michael Backlund, Jonathan Uberdo, Blake Coleman, Noah Anafin, and Chris Tanev, Nazem Kadri, Jacob Peltry, Dylan Duve, Nikita Zadorov, and Troy Stetcher, Adam Rzichka, Nick Ritchie, and Trevor Lewis on the fourth line side with Jacob Markstrom in net. And for the LA Kings, it sounds like this. 40, 20, and 10 on the season. Andre Kopitar, Quentin Byfield, Adrian Kempe with Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty. Philip Dano, Trevor Moore, Victor Arvidsson, Vladislav Gavrikov, and Matt Roy. Blake Lazat, Alex Iafalo, Gabe Villardi with Rasmus Kupari, Carl Grundstrom, and Zach McEwen. It's Alexander Edler and Sean Walker in the back end defense with Todd McCullen's squad. And Phoenix Copley will take the net tonight. I see Alec is in here, so I will throw him in the co-host if he wants to do that. We can take this game in tonight. So I'll have the late game for you now, and then tomorrow it'll be the World Baseball Classic. I know that score is pretty close as well between Mexico and Japan, so we will get that updated. But this should be a good one here, Alec, as far as these two teams. Calgary is still in the mix of this playoff chase because the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators at the moment are still playing with their food. Oh yeah, this is going to be a very tight playoff race in the final stretches of the regular season because we're seeing that Seattle and Winnipeg hold the final two wildcard spots in the West. Calgary and Nashville, not far out of it. Calgary can get two points closer to Winnipeg with a win tonight. LA, they're trying to pull off in Vegas for the division lead. So I'm just going to ask you this forthright as we still have the Canadian National Anthem going on, Alec. Do you think the LA Kings can have a long playoff run? Oh, I, I, I think they could. If everything goes right with them, Jonas Corpusalo, their trade deadline pickup, and that was their big one alongside Vladislav Gavrikov. They can make, and Corpusalo can make some serious noise should everything go right. He had that good stretch in Columbus to wrap things up in his final 10 games with the Blue Jackets, and so far in LA, not too shabby. No, I like their chances too, like I mentioned before, and I know we talked about this because we've done a few broadcasts together here now in the sense of if Drew Doughty was available last year, I still thought they would beat the Edmonton Oilers. They ultimately bowed out in seven. I like the way this L.A. Kings team is constructed, honestly, Alec, all the way across the board. They're strong, and I feel like their rebuild only took a matter of moments. <laughs> yeah, it feels that way as well because... It, 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 that was a quick rebuild when you if think about that. It's, it feels more like a rebuild on the fly when yeah. all things considered. If all that, we're getting a ceremonial puck drop here between Anshay Kopitar and the, and the acting captain Elias Lindholm. I, I don't know what LA is hosting right now on the night, but it, was, it feels like it's a military appreciation night of some sort. I, I don't know, but. So we will have a couple different feeds for you because I got the Sportsnet side and Alec has the LA side of it. So we got both Valley Sports and Sportsnet covered. This should be a good contest. We are looking at the Western Conference standings on my end. Again, the Flames are four points out. They will have the same amount of games as the Jets after tonight. They're going to try to get to 79 with a win in regulation. They lost an absolute heartbreaker in the last one. I did that game with the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. That was exceptional. So Jacob Markstrom, 19, 18, and 10, 289 goals against, 891 save percentage, and a shutout. They need Markey to regain that Vesna form as he was second last year. And on the other end, we'll get a chance to flip that over. I believe it's going to be Phoenix Copley. It is Phoenix Copley and Nets. 
So Phoenix Copley, looking at his numbers, and I'll pull those up right now because it doesn't shut up on my screen. 21-4 and 3-2-6, three goals against 9-0-4, and a shutout for Copley. So he's been pretty good throughout the year, Alec, for all intents and purposes. He's a little bit of an older goaltender. He's kind of getting his feet wet now, but he's kind of saved the Kings a little bit throughout this year. Well, yeah, he has, and, and pretty much has been their number one goaltender in his time when he was in Nets before the acquisition of Corpus Salo, and that was before Jonathan Quick got traded away. And off we go here at L.A. Here come the Kings and Flames. So it is the Kings that will flip this in. They got the all-black jerseys at home. And every time I see Jacob Markstrom end up playing the puck, it could turn into an absolute disaster, as this is a long flip that gets catched and held by Copley, 1943 in the first. You know, you know I got the feeling that Jacob Markstrom is one of the biggest violators of if you're a goaltender, tend to goal. Yes, That's how is. I see things as well. I absolutely agree with you. It just seems like no matter who ends up covering this game with me, and I appreciate you, Alec, on this side, we'll take this tonight because... Anytime he plays it, he bounced it off the referee in the last game. It turned out to be a goal for Jill Pavelski to open it up in the previous. So Quentin Byfield now will flip this round again. He was a second-round pick just from a couple of years ago. Get a chance to look at him a little bit more and get more familiar. This Tyler Toffoli's pass, former LA King. He won a couple of cups with Daryl Sutter, who's on the Flames' side. It's his second tour of duty there with Calgary. And now the LA Kings will settle this back down with Drew Doughty, and they make the pass across for Philip Dano, and try to get a flipper there for Arvidsson on the left-wing side, and he'll just gain the red line as this is flipped up now, and try to be played off the backhand, and just missed off the one-time opportunity was former Nashville Predator Victor Arvidsson. He was wide open on that left circle, as Michael Backlund, Noah Hannafin, and Jonathan Huberdo are on the right side wall, but it gets sent to the left as this is flipped around the end boards now. Picked up, Arvidsson still with it, and now the LA Kings keep this alive off the backhand, somehow get it to the net, and Arvidsson is getting fed a few uh, punches there from Hannafin, and now he's stuck in a little bit of a headlock as these players are not letting go. Of course these players are not letting go of each other. They, they, of course LA taking exception to Calgary getting right in. Of course Calgary taking exception to Victor Arvidsson getting right in front of the net, trying to stuff that in, Noah Hannafin. Not liking that, and people mentioned Victor Arvidsson. Not much talk is about him missing the entirety of the first round series against mm -hmm. Edmonton last season. And, and yeah, to your point, it, had he and Drew Doughty been on the ice, the Kings would have very much likely taken that series. Who knows what it could be against Calgary in the second round if that were to happen. That's a great point by you, Alec, on that side, because Victor Arvidsson, he's been really good for Nashville, he's been really good for the L.A. Kings, I think that's going to continue. And they're going to need those pieces going forward, because Drew Doughty, I saw it on the CBC side for the Saturday game when they did an interview after hours. He said they really think this team can get pretty far, and that's not just window dressing to say that because you're the captain on the side with Anze Kopitar. So Rasmus Anderson now. Flipped across the Crypto.com logo of the LA Kings, and this will be sent back to Rasmus, and they'll try this one more time. Mackenzie Weger out there with Rasmus Anderson now as Copley. Loses this almost in between his skate blades, as this is almost picked up by Calgary. And now Blake Lazat with a stretch, played right off of the embankment, and sent back down. 18 minutes to go in this first frame. It's 1-1 shot apiece. Calgary is on the road, right? Crypto.com Arena. Alec Nava is joining me on the color side. 
It's a 3-2 shootout loss in the previous game for the LA Kings, but they have been hot. They have points in nine straight games. They've been one of the best teams out of the All-Star break alongside the Vegas Golden Knights, who Calgary will play on Wednesday, as this is picked up now. I think that might be Thursday, actually. Edler gains the entry now. Has flipped in off the end boards, and now this is picked up by Calgary. It's Adam Rozichkov, the one-on-one, couple of toe drags, and he's just trying to buy some time as he just slaps this around the end boards. Mondrapani will take a look at it, and it's rattled back around by Calgary one more time. L.A. Kings try to be judicious with this in their own end as Alexander Edler is going to flip this from about 110 feet and now picked up on the right side faceoff, Dot Tyler Toffoli comes together off the reverse hit. It knocks down one of the LA Kings as this is sent back around the end boards here for Elias Lindholm. He's still on that first line, but he's missing Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, how things have changed. And now Chris Tanev for Mackenzie Weger. He's been hot of late in the last couple. He's got a couple goals as he sends this in for Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty will spin it back around the left side of the red line as Arthur Kaliev lost it as Weger will play this toward the right side dot. It's Rasmus Anderson. He'll shoot from a sharp angle. This goes off the left stick of Copley and sent back down, but it's given right to Coleman, but not before it's an offsides with 1629. Okay, that's a little bit worried. Okay, if you speak of Calgary. Calgary's still trying to maintain their spot and try and keep it this playoff race. Adam Rujiska getting something going here. Drew Doughty still showing his gas left to the tank and showing that Rujiska trying to put some spins and turns with some nice backhand forehands. Doughty stayed with him all the way. Yes, he did. And I apologize on the YouTube side. I know I get these comments uh, every once in a while about showing the game. I can't do that. Not that I'd ever be monetized, but I'd never be able to do these broadcasts on both sides. So you've got Twitter Spaces and YouTube if you want the commentary. As we're back underway now toward the left side of the red line and picked up now by the LA Kings. Arvidsson gets taken off the puck. As is now it's Troy Stetcher. Stetcher and Huberto. Will battle toward the left side red line. Now there's a series of pins. I think Richie in there as well. And Stetcher will just send this around the end boards for the longest tenured flame in Michael Backlund as he picks it up now. Works his way off the forehand and makes a casual drop pass as this will go right now to Troy Stetcher. Stetcher will make the pass and this goes on the right side red line as Alex follow will send this around the end boards for Matt Roy. Roy patient with it. He's got a pivot. As it passes back, as we get an in-depth look at the Sportsnet feed, and Gabe Villiardi has it sticked away as Trevor Lewis tries to get to it. And this is a good play. Dylan Dubé is stuck toward the right side of the wall, but now it's Blake Lazat off the one-on-four. Gabe Villiardi will wait for some reinforcements. As this will go back now for the LA Kings across the neutral zone side, Alexander Edler will flip it in now. Gabe Villiardi will take a look at it. As this goes on the left side of the end boards now, 7-0-2 in the last nine games, as we said, outscored opponents 33-19 of the Kings, so they know how to get these points and lock down. It kind of reminds me of the Carolina Hurricanes light, if you will. The LA Kings know how to stack those points. Christopher Tanev has it now. They're only two points out of the Pacific lead, as this is an all-Pacific battle tonight. Wrapped around the end boards now for the LA Kings, as this will go back for Edler. Have to fight off the body now. As Grandstrom taking a look at it. This is still on the left side red line. The LA Kings 
trying to get this out of their own end as they gain into the neutral zone, but a series of stick battles allow the Flames to pick this up, and Trevor Lewis will flip it in from about 80 feet as this recorral by Villiardi and sent back down Alexander Edler. He'll collect it and do the same. Wrap this around the end line, and here come the LA Kings. It's a three-on-three. -three. They gain the right zone entry, and this is a shot that goes off the pad of Markstrom, the right pad. It's just a casual wrist shot trying to get something on net. The LA Kings haven't had much to do on that end, but neither have the Flames. And now Majapani toward the left side wall. This will play there for Lindholm. Slap shot this off the carom. And then we'll go back to Nikita Zadorov with 14.05. And my feet has frozen, so I'll have to do this again, Alec, if you want to take this for 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, then, so on my end, it showed that the puck was batted out of play right towards where there were several fans are standing. Well, well, it's the USA versus Japan in the World Baseball Classic final. As Japan has the walk-off score. I appreciate that on that side. I, I apologize. My just, I just had an update on the fire stick side, and it booted me out. So I'm going to load this uh, up as quickly as I can. All right. Well, that's happening. As I'm checking with the Calgary Flames, it's been a familiar sight for them last go-around. Dominate play all throughout the game, only to lose in regulation. They are 6-15 and 15 in games ending past regulation. Even a 500 record pass regulation with Calgary holding a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Ish. So now I see that we're in a commercial break, so thankfully we did not miss much. Apologize for that momentary interruption. I always got to deal with technology and all their other services. So you said Japan is going to be playing Team USA. I'm going to have that one tomorrow. Hopefully I can survive the possible four-hour broadcast, but I don't know if it's going to be the same as it was for the United States against uh, Cuba. I mean, that was an absolute massacre. It was 14-2. to They scored runs in the first five innings. So we'll see how that one goes for the WBC. I'm pretty excited because it could be Shohei Otani on the mound and to the plate against Team USA as they try to go to back-to-back -back finals. Up against his Angels teammate Mike Trout as yeah. well. That's yeah, going to be a lot of fun. I think for Angels fans, and I'm not saying this is a shot, but it'll be about as close as they feel to a playoffs. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh, boy. So this is a crazy stat, Alec. They're showing this on Sportsnet. Posts hit 77 for the Calgary Flames. That's the most in the NHL. Games decided by one goal, 41. That is the most in the NHL. Talk about being on the wrong side of the coin. It's all a matter of the coin flip. And many times, Calgary's been caught on the wrong side of the coin flip against them. You say, Tails never fails. In fact, Tails has landed much most likely for the other team. <laughs> I like that one. 13-50, love to go on the first now. It's picked up toward the right side of the red line as we're underway. It was the LA Kings who won a defensive zone faceoff, and all my technical difficulties look to be done. So Quentin Byfield now for Mikey Anderson, as he'll play this here for Andrea Kopitar. His pass was sauced all the way back in the own end, as it slap-shotted back down for the Calgary Flames. To go ahead and pick it up, Mackenzie Weaker blows a tire. Adrian Campe was all over him trying to... Try this puck loose, and now Mackenzie Weger has to get on the back check, try to knock this out of the own end, but this will go to Mikey Anderson as Tyler Toffoli will go ahead and get it. Wrap it across the red line now, but this will fall back to the LA Kings. So it's been a very defensive-oriented start pretty much in the first seven minutes. Three shots to two in favor of LA as we're at crypto right now. I'm with Alec Nava on that side. 
as this is picked up by Philip Danell. He was a heck of a pickup from the Montreal Canadiens just last year as Trevor Moore will fire it right on. And this goes off the right pad of Jacob Markstrom as it's picked up now. Kelyev will drop it. And that was a sweet play by Backlund. He's going to set up a two-on-one and he's going to shoot in toward the right side down. But it goes up off the left pad of Copley and out of play. And we'll see if this was deflected off a stick on that that puck that went out of play. But man, what a setup by Calgary to go two on one on the other side. Gotta have that one turn to a goal. And that's the main point of emphasis if you're the Calgary Flames. It's pretty much the same old story for them. Set up all these great chances. You see that one by Jonathan Huberto and Michael Backlund. Backlund thinking shoot the entire way. Because there was that Kings defender who was well defending Huberto should have passed it and sue. And Backwood took the shot knowing that the passing lane was closed off. Absolutely. He made the right decision there. Calgary wins the draw. It's picked up by Nazem Kadri trying to get sent back to Stetcher. So in the game the other day against the Dallas Stars, Nazem Kadri did not get a shift on the three-on-three. And when we get into a commercial break, I'll have a little bit more on that because Elliot Friedman was sharing some of his thoughts. So Dylan Dubé. Picks this up now across the neutral zone, and this gets sent in by Phoenix Copley. This is the casual passing around the inboards. As Jacob Peltier watched this go past him. Blake Lazat able to stay on side. And here are the LA Kings. Anze Kopitar able to fire a shot, and Markstrom holds on. I think that was Gabe Velarde who took the shot as he was moving right up. Feeling the stick lift from Nazem Kadri still keeps the puck the entire way, and Markstrom kicked that one out, getting some help from his own defenseman to cover the puck up as he knew that Alex Iafalo was coming right in for a possible shot right in the slot. Thank you for that. That was a great move there by Iafalo. As Villiardi has one goal, one assist, four shots in the last game against the Flames on December 22nd. They're going to get another meeting again alongside Vegas, and then the schedule should get significantly easier for Calgary as... Rasmus Anderson will watch this go off the end boards, but it doesn't matter. They score. The LA Kings get on the board first. They get a bounce right in the middle and finish it off the backhand. That's a sweet forehand backhand by Carl Grundstrom. Even the fourth liners got moves, and Grundstrom is showing it. So this all starts with the keep in from the point. So it's moving on around the boards. Rasmus Anderson tried to pick this up, but Zach McEwen got to it first, and then his tick. Attack toe. McEwen to Kupari who finds Grundstrom. I think he outweighed Jacob Markstrom on that goal, leading to that wide open net. Boom. Yes, he did. That was a perfect call by you. No chance for Markstrom. He got out of position. Gunstrom made him pay with that soft back, and he pretty, pretty much put in an open net. As this is picked up now, Gunstrom is going to make the back pass. And here come the LA Kings again, and they almost did a behind-the-back look to Gunstrom, who tried to get his second within the span of 30 seconds. But now this will be sent back down the ice. Markstrom will play this back for Rasmus Anderson, and I felt like I've said this a lot, whether I do some of these games with Alec or Cooper on that side for the LA Kings. It seems like Calgary always needs to get that next goal. Can they get it? Can they turn this into some sort of lead, get some sort of points? Because... They don't have much margin of error left at this point in the season. The LA Kings are just looking really good. They are eyeing the uh, first spot in the Pacific, and it's a pretty good chance that they could get it. As this is flipped back in from Kopitar, 
Now to Rasmus Anderson, as he just got that one away in time, and Tyler Toffoli had this bounce off of one of the LA Kings, but the former King is going to pick it back up and work his way off the backhand. So the 10th from Gunstrom, from Kapari and McEwen, that is your primary and secondary assist, as one of the Kings blows a tire. This will go back D to D in the high slot. Copley has a look at it, I think it brushed off the right side hand, as this is picked up now by Richie. And now Doughty, able to get the steal in his defensive end, as Backlund's all over him, but he still stays patient with it as he drops it back to his usual part on the first line of Mikey Anderson. This gets flipped down the ice for an ice, so L.A. can't change. To think that Grunster would have gone two in the span of 30 seconds. Oh, that's, I can watch that's those sweet feeds all, all night long, as long as it is in the East. Well, yeah, all night long, because East Coast time will... It's, seven for, it's close to 8 o'clock over the West Coast, so there's also that. But now, <laughs> Calgary, will they answer right back? Only time will tell. Yeah, we will see. Again, it's a late game for me on that side, being on the East Coast. So it was a 10.45 start, so I imagine I'll be up to about 1 a.m. and then i got to get the story written and all that, but it's fun. This is a good late-night matchup to take. This is probably the best one that there is. It's picked up now for Dubé across the right side wall. Is just tried to get picked up now by the L.A. Kings and Matt Roy. We'll spin this around the end boards, but it's intercepted by Nazem Kadri. Plays it off the backhand to the left side of the blue line, and they'll try it again as they like to shoot their traffic. It's always shots on net and volume, but you've got to get those high danger scoring chances for the Calgary Flames. They just haven't been consistent in doing so all year. Alex Iafalo will go ahead and uh, carry this puck in as he drops it across to an open left side, and this gets fired on by Lazat and swallowed up by Markstrom. 9.22 in the first. So then, if we go to last go around, you mentioned about Nazem Kadri not even getting a shift on that free-on-free -free overtime against Dallas, and Dallas getting their revenge for what happened weeks prior when Tyro Defoe hit that last-second goal of six seconds left in regulation. Jason Robertson getting his revenge, though I'm puzzled as to why Daryl Sutter benched Kadri for the entire overtime. So what was said apparently from Elliot Friedman was that Nazem Kadri has been very uh, public to the players and Daryl Sutter as far as what he thinks this organization has been doing. He's been voicing their struggles. He doesn't like the way things are working right now with this team struggling, so he voiced his opinion. He had some things to say that were pretty poignant. And Daryl Sutter, what they're saying is he didn't really care for it too much. And Nazem Kadri being one of those guys, if you look at the line side of it, he is one of the ones that lead in the minus categories, about a minus 15 on the season. So I think that's why Daryl Sutter had that little bounce back. But again, Alec on a three-on-three -three side for Nazem Kadri to not get a shift, who I still think is a good two-way player who can do a little bit of everything. That just doesn't make much sense. It does not, especially since he is one of the big free agency signings of the offseason. So far, he has 49 points in 70 games, so it's not quite the year that he had last season. But still, he's one of your top offensive guys, and for him to get benched for the entire three-on-three, -three, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, for not for a team like this, Calgary, if we're being honest, they get it done by committee. I've said this a couple of days ago. I think Tyler Toffoli is easily the MVP for the Calgary Flames. Like, it's impossible to replace Johnny Gaudreau or Matthew Kachuk. He's doing the best he can with it. But Nazem Kadri is the second linchpin that you would expect Bill to get the points done because Jonathan Uberdo's struggled immensely. So, yeah, they got to figure that out quickly. 
and the runway is running out for the Flames as it's picked up now by Drew Doughty off the LA Kings faceoff win. 9.15 left to go in the first. It's one nothing LA as we're at Crypto.com Arena. 6.15 and 9 are the Flames when they allow the first goal. And they're the only team in the NHL that do not have a comeback win. So you got to make sure you figure that out before you hit the third period. But we're still 8.55 in the first. Long way to go. As this is flipped in now toward the right side of the wall. And now the Calgary Flames will get to it. Now toward the left side, this gets centered out in the middle of the circles and it's kept in. As the LA Kings able to make some changes on defense, they fire it right in through the five hole. It's Drew Doughty, 2 nothing Kings. Well, as they say, when it rains, it pours. And Drew Doughty using that perfect screen right in front as he was coming onto the ice. So it started with it once again. It's another keep in by the Kings to set up this offensive test. This is a puck that would gone and would have gone either way. It's a 50-50 puck. But if you're Calgary, you gotta win those 50-50 pucks and try and clear the zone. Here they did it. And as this puck goes to Dowdy, he uses Blake Coleman and Noah Hannafin as screens right in front and fired that right towards the net. That was great, and as you said, in between those screens, it was also Anze Kopitar in the middle of everything as well. But again, as you said, you got to win those battles, and maybe even with the screen, the way Markstrom has played this year, you think maybe the last year might have a chance to get to it, but this year is not last year, as the Calgary Flames won the Pacific Division, and now they're just trying to get in here, and they're running out of time. And tomorrow, they're playing off a back-to-back with the Anaheim Ducks, who kind of fed them their lunch in the last game, and they're toward the bottom of the standings. So no team has been easy for the Flames to play as this is sent back in by the LA Kings now. So it's 2-0 lead for LA. they got to be feeling good about themselves right now, as they should. Calgary's got to find some offense, but the question is where throughout most of this time. Unless they're playing the Dallas Stars, it doesn't seem to materialize. Nikita Zadorov picks this up now, but it's turned over right in the middle of a slot, and Gabe Villiardi, look what I found! Easy pass and finish! The round is on! Oh man, this is getting away so quickly for them. Starting right into a golf fest here in LA. Gabe Velarde this time around on that one touch feed. And this time around, it was not the keeping by the, like the Kings this time around. It, this was a, a turnover by the Flames. Nikita Zadorov, I, I, I don't know what he, uh, let's see here. So he was behind the net, felt that Blake was out, was coming right through. So I think he, might have panicked a little, in my opinion there. And that little panic right there, that's what set up that goal by Gallardi. Yeah, this uh, does not look too good for the Flames right now, considering everything that we just talked about. I try to be consistent throughout these broadcasts. They've had some good games here and there, but now this is picked up in the middle of a slot. couple of backhands trying to stuff it in the left side of the red line. And Markstrom holds on. This could easily be 5 nothing, Alec, but Markstrom makes the save with 7.20 in the first. Easily could have been 5 nothing had it not been for Markstrom's holding on right there. I don't know how many shots Bellardi took, but those were some <laughs> great opportunities right in front. So there's one shot that's blocked. Second backhander stopped. And then the third one, he tried to go forehand, went directly to the chest of Markstrom. And then he gets shoved right after at the whistle. Of course, the Flames taking exception to that because they don't like it 
when the kings are cutting to the slot. Yeah, they can't stop them from uh, doing anything right now. This is the Kings, and however much they want to do, it feels like they have more than five players on the ice. As this gets knocked away from Toffoli off the long clear, and they're still announcing goals right now at Crypto.com Arena. They've been scoring in bunches. The shot from Kopitar goes up and on a play. 7-0-3 in the first. It's 12 shots to three, and for three shots for Calgary, that's as many goals as L.A. has. Man, and, and you pointed out, out there perfectly, it feels that L.A. is using more than five players on the ice. The bad news for Calgary, they can't beg for too many men penalties. No, they've got to find some sort of game here. I, I would say, like they got to get a goal at the end of this first period just to get back into this thing. I don't see them scoring three straight goals at any other point besides that. they got to get something right now. As it's 6.45 left to go in the first, Mackenzie Weger trying to get this out of the zone as this gets knocked away from Tuller to Foley again. Here comes the captain, Andre Kopitar, but he lost it in between his skate blades. But this is settled back down by Dowdy as he flips it back to Mikey Anderson. So Byfield and Kopitar got the uh, primary assist of the second goal, and then it was Gabe Villardi, Iafalo, and Lozad as it flipped across on the Sportsnet feed, and we get a icing, I believe, 6.26 in the first. And as we're checking on along, if we go over to the other Alberta team, well, if you're looking at the number of goals scored by Connor McDavid, guess where it's at right now? 58. So he's closing on 60. And it's one of those situations where maybe he can get to 150 points? That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, he's currently at 134 right now. First player since Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager to reach that mark. We are in the presence of something special. We know that. But for the Edmonton Oilers, there's really only one thing left to do, and that's hoist Lord Stanley as McEwen trying to get this off of the chip and chase. Picked up now by the Calgary Flames, but good back check by Gunstrom as they'll send this back down. They got the third defensive line for Todd McCollum's squad as it still stays in play off the drop pass and now here's Trevor Lewis fourth line to fourth line and Lewis fires it but this goes blocked by the LA Kings and sent back down the ice Nikita Zadorov can't hold that blue line it's a 3 nothing lead for the LA Kings pass on the middle of slot defended beautifully as Gavrikov is going to take a look again he was the picker from the Columbus Blue Jackets alongside Jonas Corposalo but he's going to be wearing the uh, cap tonight as it's Phoenix Copley's net and he's enjoying the 3 nothing lead here's a stretch pass for the Flames as they'll just gain it off the dump in toward the left side red line and now off the inboards Copley takes a look and staying up toward the right side post as Jonathan Huberto is getting worked over by Lazat. Picked up now by Rasmus Anderson is Victor Arvidsson trying to pick this up and now it's dangerously picked up by the LA Kings off the back end. It was turned over to the left side dot by the Flames. Backlund trying to wrestle down one of the LA Kings and now this goes back across their logo. Into the neutral zone now. Philip Dano taking a look. He's going to go off for a change. And it looks like a power play upcoming for the LA Kings. So, as you said, Alec, when it rains, it pours. This game could not get any worse for the Calgary Flames, more so than it already is. As this is picked up now and touched up finally by Kadri. So the Kings go to the first power play of the game. They're already up by three. Chance to extend to four, and they're going to call holding on Michael Backlund, I assume, there. So, L.A., two minutes 
on the man advantage. I know there is not much left to go on the NHL scoreboard. There was only a handful of games, but it seems like every single one of these are not competitive, other than the one that you said between the Oilers and the Sharks. That's a 3-3 game in the interim. I'm just going to take a look at that right now. So it was Nick Bukestad and Alexander Barabanov with the goals for both teams. Barabanov started it for the Sharks and then Bukestad at 7:08. Color Yamamoto made it 2-1. Steven Lorenz tied it at 8:32 in the second. Eric Carlson with his 21st of the year from Fabian Zetterland. And Logan Couture and then Matthias Ekholm. He was a Pred and now he's an Oiler from the deadline side from Leon Dreisettel and Evan Bouchard. It's a 3-3 tie. 11:48 was the latest goal. 6:38 left to go in the second. Jack Campbell stopped 17 out of 20 so far, and James Reimer 17 out of 20 as well. Another interesting note for the or both the Oilers goalies: neither Jack Campbell nor Stuart Skinner have had a shutout on the season. Since Saint Vingabouses, the Oilers are a playoff team at this current rate. And since they're climbing up the standings, a possible first-round matchup for them would be a rematch of last year's first-round series. I would say yes, please, on that side, Alec. We got a good seven-gamer last year. I think these those two teams can match up very well again. I'll be interested to see what Jonas Corposalo can do in net when it gets to that point, if that happens. Oh, yeah, it would be very interesting to see. Because last go-around, he had 85 saves. That set the NHL record for most saves in an NHL game. That game ended in the fifth overtime, Braden Point, the OT winner. That was game one of the 2020 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. Almost matched last season by Igor Shesterkin, who had 79. That game ended in the third overtime, however. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because anytime I mention him, he always got to talk about that as the shot goes up and on a play. So the LA Kings power play, it's pretty good. 24%, which is sixth in the NHL. Very underrated marker there for the LA Kings. And, and, and they can strike at any points, even without the services of Kevin Fiala, who's out of an injury tonight. But still, this is very dangerous because they got Adrian Kempe lining up at the right side. Yeah, when you think about the LA Kings, that was one of their deficiencies. But not now. Victor Arvidsson, one time dot toward the left circle. Mercy me, it's four to nothing. Yes, and I'm gonna say this once again. When it rains, it pours. And Adrian can't be able to find a defensive breakdown on the power play, seeing Victor Arvidsson all alone at Ovechkin's office. Yep. That's where he sets up normally, and there it is, the one-time goal. Left circle, left dot, snipes it home, bang! And you mentioned this just before that power play goal. No Fiala, who's their top point getter for the LA Kings, and they've already dropped the fourth spot on the Flames. So that's got to send a message, because look, we understand where the Flames are as Markstrom's got to hold on after the clear. But they're fighting now like to try to get in the postseason. And they're getting bludgeoned right now with 4.07 in the first frame. I mean, that's insane to think about. And to think that last year that they had the final year of Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk together. And now they're elsewhere. Columbus is set to come up soon, later in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But, man, Calgary. What just happened? To yeah. think that this is the first round series that I thought was going to be at the beginning of the season. 
you know, that was a completely different story. You know what? You're right, Alec, on that side. It's crazy to think about. And there was so much promise when Calgary won the first three games of the year. Another opportunity in front of the slot for the LA Kings. This is absolutely amazing what they're doing right now to the Flames. And if you're a Flames fan, I guess all you can do is dig your head in the sand like an ostrich as this goes back now for Matt Roy. He'll put this around the end boards. This gets bounced up into the air. Jonathan Huberto just trying to find it in between his legs. Center back out in front of the blue paint. And this is picked up by Philip Dano. <clears throat> Dano will send this down. Or this will go back now for Troy Stetcher. So the LA Kings have more goals than the other side has shots. As this is picked up now. It is 4 nothing, 14-3 on the shot board side. But again, more goals than Calgary has shots as it's sent back down. And Villiardi has it. The first in the NHL, 12-2-3 record for L.A. since the All-Star break. We talked about that. They've been hot at this point. They got hot at the right time. Nazem Kadri can't find it as it's sent back down for Villiardi and now picked up by the Kings. Kings are patient in their own end as they'll spin back off with Doughty. Now off the forehand side. Now into the neutral zone, a couple Flames and Kings come together as Arvidsson watched this gets brushed away from him. Flames again have to find something. I mentioned that they needed the next goal two goals ago. It's 4 nothing L.A. as it's 2.15 left to go on the first. Mikey Anderson will just push us around the embankment. It's Tanev. He's patient. He'll shoot this toward the right side of the post, but it goes up high and out of play. Well, look at the bright side, Calgary. At least you're not the Nashville Predators against the New York Rangers. At least that didn't happen for you guys. It's mad. Every time I think about that, six goals in the first period. I saw that. They 12 goals in the span of four periods for the Rangers dating back to that Penguins game. Insane to think about. <laughs> we talk about the Rangers with uh, good company as far as whoever ends up broadcasting the game with me. I got Alec with me tonight, but it's true. And you think about that... Uh, Original six team in New York there, Alec. They are very, very dangerous. We know the Eastern Conference is loaded up. But the Rangers have been Stanley Cup favorites, you would think, for most of the year. And with the trades that they've made, it really seems like they could do this, even though the East is so loaded. As it's picked up now off the back pass, and the LA Kings will have to take their time in their own end with a buck 45 in the first. And Anderson will settle it back down. Adrian Kempe, this is going to be more of a scrimmage right now for L.A., and again, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Sometimes we get broadcasts like these. A minute 30 left to go on the first, that was when I have to mention that, as this gets sent back down. Here for Doughty, Doughty just blows a tire back on trying to get it as Doughty gets back up and rattles this around the end boards. Arvidsson, nice sauce pass as this is picked up. By the LA Kings with some extra work. Trevor Moore never gave up on the play. Allowed Philip Dano to send this back around the embankment as Mackenzie Weger lost this in between his skates. And I don't know if this was a hand pass or somebody's getting called for a penalty. Maybe this could be a hand pass or something, but Rasmus Anderson may have taken a shot at it, but now he's headed to the bench. Just trying to get his hand all cleaned up. And yet, oh yeah, there's a penalty. So I'm looking at it now, and it, I saw Rasmus Anderson actually on this side for sports. So he got hit in the mouth, but I think he might have also got a piece of Arvidsson on the other end. So it looks like the LA Kings are going to the 
box. That seems like the right call because Anderson got hit right in the chicklets. So Calgary, I don't like it. They have a power play here, and I'm going to say the obvious. They've got to score. Obviously, because everything has not been clicking right here for the Calgary Flames. So here we have a clearing attempt that doesn't go. So 22nd ranked power play in the NHL converting just 19.5% of their man advantage situations. But that doesn't matter right now, no matter the percentage. You have to score if you're the Calgary Flames. In a night that's pretty much a nightmare for you, you have to score to at least get something out of it. And from what I saw to your point, the LA Kings... Their penalty kill is just sitting at 76%. You usually want that to be above 80 somewhere about, so that could definitely be better. So we'll see if Calgary, with their shot by volume, can get something, because they only got three right now, as this is just kept in, but then brushed away for Uyghur. And he'll make a play falling down as Majapani goes ahead and gets it now. Calgary just having all sorts of pressure right now, getting their entry into the power play side, and they'll make the back pass, but... Well, it didn't really make much sense because Mackenzie Weger just got in the zone. He wasn't even ready to get set back up off the puck. And now here is a long outstretched pass by Markstrom as Blake Lazat will send this around and Drew Doughty able to fire it all the way down. Markstrom will softly play this one toward the left side dot here for Rasmus Anderson. As he gains the red line, he'll chip it in, but the Flames not going to be able to do anything with it. They head into the locker room, Alec, down 4 nothing after 1. And that power play looks just as discombobulated as they were in the defensive end because, man, they had less shots than the Kings have goals. It's just insane to think about this because you, you'd expect something if you're the Calgary Flames, knowing that Daryl Sutter's system emphasizes defense. But this game... Doesn't feel like it at all. No, it doesn't. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this 100% with certain certainty. I'm very happy to have you on the broadcast, but I got to apologize on the YouTube side. You know, I try to pick some of these games. I try to do the schedule throughout the week and find good matchups. Sometimes, again, like we said, we just get matchups like these. And for the Flames, as we talked about, when I'm just going to look at this NHL wall card right now coming into play, there are four points from a wall card spot. Where is the intensity in this game? For the LA Kings on the other end, we certainly see it. Hey, they won this game today. Alec, they tie with the Golden Knights for the best record, best amount of points in the West. So I don't see the urgency for the Flames, but I see it for the Kings. They look very businesslike. All sorts of business for LA. Of course, you pointed that out. Even about the services of Kevin Fiala, who normally slots in Alex Iafalo and Blake was not because Trevor Moore is usually with Philip Deneau and Victor Arvison on a shutdown role on that second line. Fiala, on that third line, usually does not a role suited for him, but Quinton Byfield has found a home on that top line of Andre Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. Everything is clicking for the Kings. And I don't care how many points Quinton Byfield ends up with. This is valuable, valuable experience. And this is the L.A. Kings team that's been trying to make that push. And legitimately, as I say, I think that they can win a couple rounds. I think that they're going to be a dangerous team. I make no bones about it. I like them more, honestly, Alec, than I like the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's not just because of all the injuries. I just think going into the season, 
I thought the LA Kings should have been the ones that have been the favorite to win the Pacific. It's been a great story here for the Golden Knights, but if I had to pick one team in the Pacific, I'd take LA. LA is a viable pick for me considering their defensive and goaltending prowess, and they're now jumping to that positive goal differential because at one point they were the only team to have a negative point differential among playoff teams. But now that's no longer the case because all playoff teams as of now have a positive goal differential. We saw the Florida Panthers get the win and the Ottawa Senators beating the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier on the night. So that Florida jumps into that second wildcard spot. The Penguins now one point behind Florida for that second wildcard spot after that loss to the Senators. And as we go over to the background of it all, 2-1 Ottawa's to score. And, and after Ricard Raquel tied it in the third period, getting the go-ahead goal for the Senators, right after Chad Ruedel took a hooking penalty, on the power play, it's Drake Batherson capitalizing in. And, and, how about, and the coup de grace, Dylan Ferguson, in his first career start, 48 saves. Oh my goodness. I'm making sure I look at this right now as you just... Put this across, so Ferguson, I just want to look and see, do they show how old he is? They don't even show that on the ESPN side. I think he's 24, that's what I see right now. So his first career start, 48 saves, as you said. So it's not like the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't play a great game on that end, and they got shots on Ottawa, but that is a hell of a stand. And I'm going to be honest here with you, Alec. I feel like last time when we did this broadcast about a week and a half ago, I was feeling pretty comfortable about where the Penguins are, thinking that they could get a playoff spot. And now that I look at this wall card, I'm getting concerned. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned here because it, I think it's been revealed that you're only as strong as your weakest links if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the fact <clears> that you played three times in a span of a week against the New York Rangers, that doesn't help much either. No. Especially after losing to, much, to the Montreal Canadiens. Who are one of those teams that could pretty much be a kryptonite to the Pittsburgh Penguins, no matter how good or bad Montreal is. It's, it's always one of those teams, whether it be them or the New York Islanders, that are pretty much the kryptonite of the Penguins. Just one of those teams, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you because every time I see them play each other, it's just a goal fest back and forth, and you just have to survive the war of attrition. And that's just all it is right now. And even when the last time we did our broadcast, I was looking at the Florida Panthers, and they were maybe you know three or four spots from a wild card spot. And now they are one point back of Pittsburgh. Again, they have the same amount of games at 69. The Islanders have 71. They have two points up on Pittsburgh, three points up on Florida. But Florida, for all the disappointments that they've had throughout the year, being the Former President's Trophy winner. We understand with the trades that were made and Mackenzie Wigger and Jonathan Uberdo going to Calgary on that side. But you had Andrew Burnett. Again, they got slapped by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Battle of Florida last year. But they're making a run. And Matthew Kachuk alongside several other pieces now. They're really starting to put it together. And let's not forget about other key pieces of, of the Florida Panthers, such as Brandon Montour, who's been having a heck of a season with them. And also Anton Lundell, a two, uh, one of their two better two-way players on the team, uh, on a top, would it be on the top line or in a middle six role? Well, what do you slot him in with Sasha Barkov or right at the middle six where he's centering a line? It just seems to all click. 
Also, Carter Verhage, who scored both overtime winners in that series against Washington, and the overtime winners sent Florida to their first second round appearance since 1996. He's been, I don't know what to say about him. Everything that you just described to me, Alec, makes it sound like the Florida Panthers of last year. Just for a moment, and if they can capture that with roughly about 12 games left to go on the season, they'll take one of these spots. Yeah, they will. And they could. Especially the rate that they've been playing. So we don't have a long NHL scoreboard to go over, but it was a 5-2 win, as you mentioned. We'll talk about those Panthers over the Red Wings. And as you said, between Carter Verhage with a pair of goals, Matthew Kachuk, he opened the scoring. Pugh Suter got one, and Dylan Larkin got one on that side. But it was all Florida, and they're beating the teams that they need to beat. We mentioned the Sharks and the Oilers. The Sharks have taken a 4-3 lead, and it is a drubbing on the other end. If you think this game is bad, uh, the Avalanche and the Blackhawks, that one is 5 nothing. It is all Avalanche right now, Ball Arena. Curtis McDermott got his first of the year. Dennis Mulgan, Miko Rantanen, Logan O'Connor, and Mulgan again. And it's 5 nothing Colorado. Alexander Gurgiev is pitching a 24-save shutout. And Stalock's already made 24 saves, but he's given up 5 out of 29 opportunities. It's been that kind of season for Chicago. We knew what it was going to be, but... Maybe they'll get in the Bedard sweepstakes, but the Avalanche, they're still trying to make that run out of Alec in the Central, and I think that they could still do it. They could, and I wonder if Gabe Landeskog is going to suit up in time for the playoffs because we have yet to see him this season. Arturi Lekkonen could be back as ready as he were to be either one of the final two weeks of the regular season or maybe the final week of the regular season, either that or maybe even game one of their first round series, whoever they face between, as of right now, Minnesota or Dallas. But it's looking more likely that we could see a Colorado versus Minnesota first round series. But who knows? Because the, the Wild, they're not out of the first place sweepstakes on the Central Division either. They're just one point behind the Stars. Yeah, they are. That's going to be a battle that's going to go all the way through the test of time. And if the if the Stars end up losing it, I can kind of make this transition there for Calgary. Let's say they, they're going to get in the postseason, but I'll just say this for the Stars. If they end up not getting one of the top spots, they'll be thinking about all those games they lost in OT that they could have, you know, if you had a point in regulation on the other end, they can get more points in the standings. You could say the same damn thing about the Calgary Flames. You flip a few of those, at least like four or five of those, to a win column, you wouldn't even be having to worry about now about getting a playoff spot. So it does make a difference. You want to pick up points, but you don't want to always settle for that one when you could have two. Yeah, as always, you got to settle for both points. It can't just be one point, one point, one point every time. Always got to take the two points, no matter how good or bad you are. And those are crucial when it comes to playoff implications. Yes, it is. And I know you mentioned this, too. We're still in the middle of our intermission. I'm just going to give an update for everybody because I know you mentioned that off the walk-off side when I was uh, struggling getting everything else together. They're showing Lanny McDonald on the Calgary Flames side. That's always really cool to see, Calgary Flames legend. 
but Japan was able to get the walk-off with a two-run double for Murakami. So they're going to play Team USA tomorrow on FS1 about 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. So I will be on the call for that one. as That will be the last assignment. I'm going to have a busy week throughout the rest of it. But today here with Alec and then tomorrow on the World Baseball Classic. So it will be United States versus Japan. And the one thing I can say, if it's going to be again, Otani on the mound and Otani also at the dish, it should be a lot of fun. So I hope people are tuning in. I hope they have a good time with it, regardless of whether or not they listen or just watch and follow along. I think the United States, honestly, Alec, for the amount of runs that they've scored and the amount of players that they've had, they've shown that they're not screwing around here in this World Baseball Classic because the lineup that the U.S. is featuring right now is pretty loaded. Very loaded. And to think that I was rooting for a USA versus Mexico World Baseball Classic final, well, that's no longer the case here. But now we're getting a good one. Otani versus Mike Trout? Yeah. How about that? I, I, there's nothing better that you can get right now because you're going to be going back into next week where it's going to be the start of the MLB season. But that is the best appetizer that you could ask for. So we will see what everything else will bring for us tomorrow. But again, Alec, I appreciate you being with me on this. I know this might end up being a long broadcast, so I have to just buckle in and have your favorite refreshments because I think this one might get even a little more ugly. Oh, yeah, of course. And no, no doubt, everyone, grab your popcorn or hot dogs or whatever you like to have <laughs> at a baseball game and, and sit back and enjoy the action. So we don't have a lot as far as the NHL scoreboard. We went over that. We gave you a uh, World Baseball Classic update. There was a couple upsets in the uh, NCAA tournament again, as now we're all in the round of uh, 16. We're in the Sweet 16. FDU's run has ended. We knew that that was going to happen, but no more Kansas, no more Baylor, as uh, some of the big boys continue to bow out in this tournament, Alec. It's always March Madness for a reason. Of course, you know what month it is, March, where all the madness happens. We, we all know about the Purdue upset on Fairleigh Dickinson. And in Princeton, this is the first straight year in which a 15 seed has went to the Sweet 16. It was Oral Roberts at first. Then we got last year's St. Peter's who went to the Elite Eight. And then this year, Princeton, an Ivy League school, upsetting Arizona and Missouri. So we'll see what they do here, and could they be the first 15 seed to go to the Final Four? Who knows here, but I know that, that everyone at Princeton University is going to be loving that. <laughs> yeah, they certainly showed the Missouri Tigers, who the better Tigers are out of New Jersey, and that was Princeton. That was a hell of a matchup, and the only Big Ten team, I know Patrick Rush is going to be happy of it. Again, I went for Oakland University, so... It's a little bit different for me. It's more of a state of Michigan for me on that side. But Tom Izzo, I always say some things as far as we know that he's a great coach. And he knows that this isn't his most talented team. So you beat Marquette. Nobody expected that to happen. Now Kansas State, you're not going to be favored. If he ends up getting a couple more of these wins, Alec, we already know what he's going to be. He'll probably get a statue there in East Lansing. But this could be the best coaching job he's ever done if he continues to go farther. You know, you may actually be right on this. And and with Mike Krzyzewski retiring last season, 
Tom Izzo may be the best coach in the entire nation in men's college basketball right now. With the coaching job that he's putting up, if Michigan State beats Kansas, Kansas State, yeah, yeah, he should get a statue right, right when he retires in, in, in the years down the stretch. Not saying that he's going to retire after the season, right. but he should definitely get a statue as the best men's co- basketball college head coach in Michigan State history. I think Pat and Pat Rutch is going to agree with me on this one, maybe. I, I, would, I would think so, and on that side of it, I always just throw it out like this. When you get two titles, that's when you put yourself in the upper echelon. That's what Izzo's trying to get. I don't know if this group's going to be good enough to do that, but at this point where they are in this year, it's a hell of a coaching job. So we really only have two other powerhouses that are left. It's Alabama and it's Houston. Those are the two one seeds that are still here. Do you think it's their tournament to lose, or do you see anything else that kind of might slip them up? Well, it's March. There could be something that can slip up, but it's not a guarantee by this point. But for Alabama, we have Brandon Miller as the best player in college basketball in the nation. Then, then your time is now. Your time is now to strike if you're Alabama. Houston is another program that's hungry for a title. One of the better defensive teams in the nation. Though my main concern about them is the conference that they play in. That's my main concern. Anytime you think about Houston, I know I'm a lot older than you are, Alec, but we know about NBA legends. I always have to think about Akeem Olajuwon, the dream on that side. So always like to see if they can do well, but you're right. With the conference, that I know University of Michigan's played them over the years, and they've got some wins off some buzzer beaters from Jordan Poole before he was a Golden State Warrior and an NBA champion. So tournament's always a lot of fun, and we were going to get that back underway I believe on Thursday and Friday that, again, we'll start the Sweet 16 up until the Elite 8 this weekend. So it should be a lot of fun. It's probably going to be a lot more exciting than this broadcast, but we still got 40 more minutes left to do so, whereas we're going to pretty much take up mop-up duty. Unless Calgary shows us something here, Alec, I mean, I say with this 40 minutes left, they might have to get two within the span of 10 minutes. Oh, they have to. Because it's no other option if you're the Calgary Flames. You have to. Goal scoring should come and quickly if you're Calgary. Three shots on goal is not going to do it. Is there, you just, do you think at some point, I know this is an easy question to say, but I just want to get your honest thoughts in a game like this. You see Calgary come out and press in the next 10 minutes no matter what, regardless if they gave up another goal. You have to just get down the other end of the ice and get shots. You have to. There's no other choice. You have to. I, I agree with you. So hopefully, hopefully we will see a sense of urgency because, again, I know you've done a lot of broadcasts, Alec, on that side. You know, when we get these, it's always fun to be able to work together. It makes it a lot easier <laughs> because you're just trying to kill time at some point and we're trying to be truthful about everything else that we bring to you. But there's got to be a concerted effort. I'm still in the middle of a commercial break on my side, so hopefully the Calgary feed pulls back up. But if it doesn't, I'll flip back over if you end up seeing it before I do because we should be getting close to the second period here. Yeah, we're getting closer here on my end. And speaking of tournaments, the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey a Tournament is set to start soon on the same day as when the Sweet 16 starts over at March Madness. So we got 16 teams over at the at the Frozen Forest, what they call it. So yeah. the West region consisting of Minnesota, St. Cloud, Minnesota State, and Canisius. Northeast region is Quinnipiac, shout out to Griffin Cass. 
Yeah. Harvard, Ohio State, and Merrimack, Midwest region of Michigan, Penn State, Michigan Tech, and Colgate, and the East region, Denver, Boston University, Western Michigan, and Cornell. And Cornell. So the Midwest region, they'll have their games in Allentown, Northeast at Bridgeport, Connecticut, West region at Fargo, North Dakota, and the East region at Manchester, New Hampshire. So the Frozen Four will, will all take place in Tampa, Florida, and the Frozen Four starts on April 6th, the championship game on April 8th. That's a great shout out there by you, Alec. I'm very disappointed that I can't cover that game on Friday against Colgate for Michigan, but I want to try to get something like that for the tournament. That'd be a lot of fun if we get a chance to do a college hockey game. If you've never done any of those, I really enjoy those broadcasts. It's a lot more ebb and flow as far as some of that offense that we can see, but there are special players, and you get to see a lot of them before they actually hit the NHL. So mercifully, we're underway right now for the start of the second period, although the Flames are on a power play. They're down 4 to nothing right now. It's Quattro to Cerro, if you're doing the Spanish count on that end, as this is flipped all the way down. And Rasmus Anderson, he'll grab it. 30 seconds left to go, carryover time from that first period. 19.30 thereabouts left to go in this middle frame. As the ref jumps out of the way, Lindholm can't find it. Opportunity out in front, and Tyler Toffoli, former LA King, gets the Flames on the board. It's 4-1. to one. It was about time. It was about time that Calgary strikes, and they needed this one. Got to get one quick, and they did get one quick. So, as and yes, just like the first two L.A. goals, this is a keep-in, but this time it's from down low as Drew Doughty was going coast-to-coast coast behind the net. Michael Backlund, perfect timing on the poke. He swiped that away, gave this to Elias Lindholm, and then finding Tyra Toffoli right at the slot. Boy, Lindholm and Toffoli have been electric on that first line, finding that chemistry of one and another. I think they're the most consistent forwards on this team, and, and they're showing why. It's another one of these goals. Absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly. As Calgary now has the same amount of shots as the LA Kings have goals, but this time they actually got one on the score, Chiron. It's 4-1 to one on the power play goal. And now the LA Kings are going to be trying to go left to right in the second period. Again, they are in the all-black. And the Calgary Flames are on the road this evening. They are in the red pants with the... Red striping on the shoulders with the white shirt. As this is picked up now by the LA Kings, there was some body contact, but we're still alive. And Matt Roy with a nice sauce pass into the neutral zone. As this is flipped off the blocker of Markstrom and sent back down the ice. Roy trying to hold this off the backhand as it's picked up by Majapani. Majapani with a drop pass to nobody in particular. He's just going to try to wrap this around the end boards. As this will be set now here for Weger off the spin. Keeping this alive off the backhand, he'll settle it back down for Lindholm. And Lindholm will be able to get a stick on it before it ended up being a break the other way. Mackenzie Wigger now. As this is Tyler Toffoli, he has just scored. And this is putting it off the end boards and then bounced back to him. And Toffoli might have taken a stick up high. Oh, man. That was an awkward collision right behind the net. And I hope Toffoli's okay, the former L.A. King. Skating off on his own power. Yep, yep. LA's getting a tripping penalty on this, so chance to cut the lead in half if you're Calgary. So as you see, Tyron Defoe, we cut it to the net. So that initial shot was deflected, and then yet yeah, our Sean Walker who tripped up Toffoli as he and that trip caused him to lose control of himself and it 
Or was that Phoenix Copley tripping him? It might actually be Phoenix Copley. I think you're right on that eagle eye. I'm going to take a look at it now. So Toffoli gets in. And yeah, this is the goal stick of Phoenix Copley, that dump tower Toffoli. So somebody's got to serve it for him. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those rare times we see a goalie take a penalty. <laughs> you don't see that often. No, you don't. And as we talked about, the LA Kings penalty kill was at 76%. Well, that just went down as they conceded one. And now the Calgary Flames have another opportunity. This is another one, Alec, where if they score, this might change the intents and purposes of what I thought about this game. And they have to do so right now toward the right side wall, and they'll give it right back as Calgary continues to stay patient. Look for Toffoli. He slaps it right on, and this goes right off the right side inboard. Sent back out in the high slot for Rasmus Anderson. Fired into the screen, and this takes a bounce. This will fall to Tyler Toffoli near the left side faceoff dot. Now between the circles, as this is rattled around by Peltier. I think he fanned on it partially. Michael Backlund now trying to get a piece of it as this gets away from Sean Walker, but it's kept in by Rasmus Anderson. But now he can't hold that blue line as Rasmus, so he'll have to pull back. And across the LA Kings logo now. He's an offensive defenseman by trade, Rasmus Anderson. He's been pretty good for the Flames all year. No complaints in that department as he holds it in off the clearing attempt. It's Backlund toward the left side. Now wall off his backhand. Now Peltier will just bank this here for Rasmus. Set it up here for Toffoli in the middle of the left circle. And now Lanolm short side chance as it falls to Toffoli again in the high slot. Here for Rasmus Anderson. It's been all Calgary with the puck possession. Tipped and off the left pad of Phoenix Copley. Chopped at. Picked up by Tyler Toffoli at the left side wall. And get wrapped around as this finds Michael Backlund. This goes off a back skate of one of the LA Kings. Here's a pass across to Foley. Patient as the shot block dive was down. Centered out in front off of the bank off the boards. And now we'll go back to the defense again. Toffoli with a ripper off the slap shot. And now it's finally cleared by the LA Kings, so nothing wrong with the Flames' power play. It's just been everything else right now. Majapani off the back pass. It's Mackenzie Weger now in the high slot as he leaves it here for Huberto. Huberto is going to risk it right away as this goes back to Huberto, now to the left side dot, but I think he over stick handled it. As this goes down to the left side of the red line, this stays with Nazem Kadri working his way behind the office off the wraparound and off the side of the cage as Majapani tries to get this now. Picked up by the LA Kings, some sustained zone pressure by the Flames as they got one of the first two on the power play. And now the stick knocked out of the hand of the LA Kings. And Trevor Moore is just going to play the kicking game right now. He's going to put this near the left side of the red line, try to sustain puck possession. That was a good work by Trevor Moore, making a play even without a, a stick. As this goes back now for Doughty. As this is played in on between the players' bench, we'll allow Todd McCullough and squad to take some forward changes. Now with Noah Hannafin. Hannafin make the outstretched pass as this couldn't hit Trevor Lewis, and that was Nick Ritchie in there as well. As this falls back now for Kelly Evan, he'll send this around the end boards, but it's intercepted by Calgary off the drop pass near the left side red one. As Ritchie throws a hit on Dowdy, knocks him down on his heavily padded wallet. This is picked up now toward the right side of the red line. It's Calgary and Lewis trying to get a piece of it now, but here come the LA Kings. They have a little bit of an opportunity to gain the zone as it's Kupari. He's going to fire right in the stomach of Markstrom. That's his first action of this second period. You know, outside the goal by Toffoli, this was the best chance. These were the best chances that Calgary got 
throughout this, this period and the game. And Toffoli was so close to getting his second goal of this game as well. So as we look right back at Calgary, all sorts of pressure on that man advantage. Even though it didn't capitalize, maybe it's a sign of progress in that second period. And I see off one of the deflections, as you mentioned, I think it was Peltier, an opportunity rang off the left side of the post and hit the left pad of Copley. As it's a defensive zone faceoff win. This is picked up now by the LA Kings. Alex Ayafalo. Now Noah Hannafin as they're trying to find it. Ayafalo still with it in the offensive zone. He'll just spin and turn. But this one gets shot up out of play. Tyler Toffoli got 29 goals this season for the Flames. His career high is 31. I think he's going to get past that point. Maybe he could. I, I think, and I think he will. So let's just see, Alec. As you said, this has been a little bit of a pusher for the Flames that they had to have. You called that correctly on that side. If they can continue to have this type of play, I think they can at least, at least get within two and give themselves a fighting chance. If they can't do that by the time the third period gets to it, then I think the LA Kings will be fine. The, L the Calgary Flames aren't a team that can score goals in bunches, as we're back underway now. It's Andre Kopitar send this back around the end boards as Adrian Kempe takes an awkward fall, and now he's wrapped up with one of the Flames right now as this gets sent back down the ice. Fans want a penalty call at Crypto because Adrian Kempe was just getting worked over. And now a race for the puck here for Quinton Byfield and Mackenzie Weger. Weger now trying to pick this up toward the left side of the red line. Andre Kopitar is still out there. He has been with the LA Kings for a long time. And he has been a good one ever since he stepped foot on the ice. Kempe off the back pass set up for Kopitar. What a beautiful design, but what a better stop by Markstrom with the left pad. That could have easily been another goal. And this is picked up now by Lindholm. As it's Kempe, he's still out there. See if they can hold that blue line. They keep it into the LA Kings. Fire it right on. Markstrom takes no chances. He'll just hold on to it with 1340. Oh, for, for the LA Kings fans, that was so close to being a puck don't lie moment there because they were wanting a penalty on that tie-up between Kempe and that Flames player. But then, as you go back for goalposts on that Jacob Pelletier tip, that's been a recurring theme for Calgary all season long. Just goalpost after goalpost after goalpost. I think the, the total was brought up to 78, if you include that. Not sure what the exact number is right now. I think I may be missing some, but but it's been a recurring theme for Calgary. Jeez. I know we can go back into the broadcast because I did mention that when it came up there, but that sounds about right from that number. It was something that was insanely high. And it's continued, and it will continue. They might actually get to 100 by the time we get to this 82-game regular season. And if they can find more of these to go in the back of the net than hit the post, Calgary's still got a chance. But this is a difficult part of the schedule. We mentioned it's going to be easier after this, but the Calgary Flames playing the Kings tonight. I'm with Alec Nava. He's got the color here for me on that side. Tomorrow it's going to be the Anaheim Ducks. It's a game they should win, but they got dismantled the last time they played the Ducks. Then on Thursday, they will play the Vegas Golden Knights. So this is the last stretch for the Calgary Flames. Get some difficult opponents, get that out of the way, because toward the end of the year, Alec, and this is going to be big, they still have one more matchup with the Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets, both teams that are just ahead of them. And these are not gimme games. No. These are games that can be 
toss-ups either way. And not to mention that they're playing the Ducks tomorrow. So And, and plus, the Flames, David Stork, we struggled at Honda Center. But that didn't seem to be a problem last time around when they were at Honda Center because the Flames won 3-2 to in overtime there. The Ducks, they've just been eliminated from playoff contention, but they still have John Gibson in net. Oof's been facing a heavy boatload of shots. I'll tell you this, Alec. If I'm John Gibson, I'm understanding I'm getting an NHL paycheck, but i got to be tired after every night because it feels like he faces 50 every game. As we'll get more on that when we get back away from the action here. So Michael Backlund gains the answer. Drop it here for Coleman. This brush off the left pad of Phoenix Copley. And now Coleman, as Matt Roy knocks him down. This goes back around the end boards. Fired right on. Copley makes the save. Swallows it up. And now he might have a little bit of something. But it looks like the ref's going to get in the way of time. Yeah, it's just simmered down there very quickly. And it's one of those shots... Or it seemed the puck had eyes. Well, actually, no, it didn't because it wasn't deflected. It was just a shot from the boards by Chris Tanev. And Phoenix Copley got that one with ease. And the defender helped out Copley to cover up that puck. So as Calgary continues to mount the shots, they got to get another one here. Yes, they do. And uh, we'll see how Copley continues to fare because even though you got Jonas Corposalo now, as we talk about Copley, he's been excellent throughout the year, all things considered. 3-0-1 in the last four starts with a 1-4-2 goals against. So he's done everything that he's needed to do right now for the LA Kings. If they continue to score the way they are, they look pretty good. Villiardi off a one-on-one -on -one now. Tries to toe-drag through the defense of Nikita Zadorov, and that time he was able to stay home. He made a great play, stayed right in front of Villiardi. And now this will fall back here for the LA Kings. They'll settle it back down here with Roy. Now this will get picked up after it's dumped down by Jacob Markstrom as he plays this with the goal stick. It's a 4-1 scoreline. Calgary Flames have scored the latest goal for Tyler Toffoli on the power play side. They had another look at it, but they're just one for two. LA Kings, all, it was all them in the first. They scored the first four as Grunstrom has it now. Carl Grunstrom trying to make the play in behind the net toward the left side of the red line. Now with Zach McHugh and former Philadelphia Flyers. This gets sent back around. They got rid of Brandon Lemieux to do so as they're trying to get more edge and sandpaper on that part of the line. But again, I thought Lemieux could be part of that as Majapani will play this one in between his legs, but it gets turned over. And now the LA Kings trying to fight for this in the middle of the circles, and they'll find it as Noah Hannafin gets dumped down. This is near the left side of the boards. Trying to be held on the blue line side, but this will fall back to the LA Kings. As they have it on the left side dot. Here's a stretch pass. A break for Kempe. Scores! It swallows past Markstrom. And the Kings lead is back up by four. Wow. Talk about a stretch pass as beautiful as that one. Get yourselves ready, LA, because everything is just coming at the right place at the right time. Kempe, fresh from the bench, receiving the feed from the former Canuck, Alex Edler, and he's all alone, one-on-one, -on -one, and that sweet move going short side on Marshall, blowing past everyone. Wow. I will say this to you, Alec. I know it used to be the AAA battery line. I'd like to call them for... 
the LA Kings with you know Alex Iafalo, Adrian Kempe, Anze Kopitar. But every time I see Kempe on the ice, I feel like he's a difference maker. He can absolutely put the puck in the net. He's a dynamic player. He's another one of the reasons why I like the LA Kings so much. It's 5-1 LA. So the Flames had something to feel good about, at least try to get back in the game, but now it's back to a four-goal scoreline as it's Adam Rzichka. And you wonder if you're Daryl Sutter, who's going to get time to continue to find time on the ice, get chances. What lines are you going to roll out right now? Because you're just getting the barn doors blown off. As it's 11-10 left to go in the second. Here's a stretch pass across the red line side as Grenstrom gets this knocked away. And now Kempe with his third of the season, 8-17. Adler and Walker get the assists. Again, there's been some injuries there for Kempe on that side. That's why those numbers are a little bit low as Richie has this one knocked away. And now it's Kempe again off of the cross pass. And that was fortunate for Calgary because it seems like every time L.A.'s touching this puck now after that goal, they feel like they're going to score. As Huberto trying to find it. This is lost in between a couple of skate blades. Now Matt Roy will watch this go back around as this is flipped down the ice. Is this kept in by Coleman? Yes, it is. Able to buy some time here for Michael Backlund, but he can't do it by himself as this is turned over. And now Kempe. He's been all over the ice and scoring the goal. He gets the interception, gained the offensive end. Andre Kopitar, here's a cross pass, and that was Kempe again, as he's magnetic for the puck right now, but it just gets knocked away. As picked up here by Jonathan Uberdo, former Florida Panther. Boy, could the Flames use that type of scoring there from Huberto. It's just not been there right now. He's just been more so of a third liner. That's just the way you got to say it at this point of the season. As Nazim Kadri lost it. It's Matt Roy, and try to get picked up in the middle of the circles, and this is knocked away just at the last second. As Jacob Peltier kind of had a piece of it. Gets it now, Dylan Dubé trying to make something happen, and this will fall back here for Roy. Plays it off the backhand again. Five goals, one in overtime in the last four games against the Flames. He likes playing Calgary. Does Adrian Kempe. Larvidson gets this knocked away from him, and now Nazem Kadri falls down, Makes a nice pass into the defensive end. And now it's Noah Hannafin for Pelche off the two-on-one. Pelche, that was a glove save by Copley that went out of his glove. And now racing down the other way as I'll follow. There's a twig in the middle of the ice. This gets sauced out of the air and somehow knocked away. But that was Arvidsson with an opportunity. And now Pelche has this one bounce back to him across the LA Kings logo at center ice. Nine minutes left to go in the second. John Hunter within the play-by-play, -play, joined by Alec Nava. It's 5-1 LA. And that was a sweet-looking move by Blake Lazad as he tried to fake and shoot it toward the left side of the crossbar. Now, in the middle of the circle, sent back in the high slot. This gets tipped, and it goes just wide. Gabe Villiardi tries to race to it now with Blake Lazat. As Lazat now trying to just brush this away from the right side of the wall. Lazat still on this right now as Villiardi gets turned around. And we'll see if Calgary can get the other way. As they'll play this off the backhand. It's Mackenzie Weger to the left side wall. Now in behind the net of Copley. And that was a bomb. And that might have got blocked before it ever hit Phoenix Copley. As Lewis sends a pass out in the middle. And this gets flipped down the ice. This is going to be reclaimed by Troy Stetcher. Troy Stetcher was a member of the LA Kings, if I remember correctly, last year. But now he's on the Flames. As this is picked up now, the right side wall. Richie will come together as he knocks it away from Edler. But Grunstrom still out there. He'll drop it to Adler now. 
and the LA Kings trying to flip this out of their own end off the stretch pass as this almost gets taken by the Flames but this will be picked up here by Stetcher with Zadorov. Third line defense out there for Daryl Sutter's squad. Now with Adam Rosichka, so third line defense with the fourth line right now. And it's 7.40 left to go in the second. It's all L.A. They've scored the latest goal. It's Adrian Kempe. Shot in from 80 feet. Markstrom will play it back to Noah Hannafin. And the Flames will try to start again. They've not had a lot working for them except for the power play. That's it and that's all. 20 shots to 10. That's what the score Chiron leads. And the L.A. Kings essentially have a 25% shooting percentage. Kempe scores! Wrist shot city, 6-1! to one. Always him. Always got to be him. Doesn't it have to be? Because that's goal number, if I recall, 34 for him on the season, if I remember correctly from the score sheet that I've been and looking at, or was that 32? Because I, I, I need to recheck my stat sheet once again. But Adrian Kempe, of course, you point out that he could be a difference maker, and he is a difference maker. Leads to the LA Kings and goals, and with a quick snipe, right circle, using the defender as a screen. Got it past Jacob Markstrom, and man, could this be even bigger of a nightmare for the Calgary Flames on the night. And I got to make a correction. I'm glad that you said that, too, because I had the notes in front of me, but I was just looking at what the Sportsnet Chiron said. I should have pulled back. That's goal number 34. It said three, so they forgot the extra digit. He's got 34 now. He started with 32. Backlund trying to make a series of moves. Now toward the right side, Dodd, and this is a swing and a miss. That was an old baseball term for the slap shot. 6-1 L.A. Adrian Kempe has got a last couple goals, and honestly, at this point, Alec, I want to see if he can get a hat. You know, I want to see it too, because <laughs> now that the Kings have got a touchdown, they're going to go for the extra point, and they're hoping that Kempe has the natural hat trick. Yeah, I mean, I know you've done a lot of broadcasts, but let me ask you this as we're in the middle of the commercial break here, Alec. What's one of those ones that felt really long, or what was a lopsided game for you that you've done that you remember? Oh, man, if I remember a lopsided game that I remember doing, Edmonton and Pittsburgh. 7-2 Oilers was the final score, and the Oilers scored 7 unanswered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we get games like this. I mean, we try to make it as exciting as possible. Again, I appreciate Alec being here with me because it makes it a hell of a lot easier. But Campe's putting on a show right now, and if we can talk about it in a positive light here, Alec, they, as we said, they want to make that push for the top spot in the Pacific, and they want to show some things. Hell, if they get that same matchup with the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers, they're showing us right now. I know it's the Calgary Flames, but you got to be able to score goals if you're playing against the Edmonton Oilers. Well, the LA Kings are certainly doing that tonight. No Kevin Fiala, no problem. Yeah, that makes it an incredible story right now. So, for all intents and purposes, if this game is going to end the way it's going to be, the LA Kings will be 41-20-10 on the season, and they will pull in a tie with the Vegas Golden Knights at 92 points. Ultimately, that depends on who's got the tiebreaker, if they'll take first, nonetheless, but they'll be tied with the same amount of points. Edmonton Oilers have 86 right now. It's the Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets in that wild card, Alec. You have a couple, one team in the Central and the Jets, one team in the Pacific and the Kraken. 
The NHL All-Star break's not been kind to them as they're trying to continue to hold on to their spots. You know, and, and with the fact that the Kraken did not make any moves to the trade deadline shows that they're sticking with the core and hoping for the best, especially since they're about the services of Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, that's a definitely large piece to not have. I saw that Philip Grubauer got injured the other day as well. I don't know how serious that is going to be. I also don't know the status of uh, one Joey Decord, if he would be the backup goaltender alongside Martin Jones. But they're going to need something to get going there for Seattle if they want to hold on to that spot as well. As this is back underneath the action now, Nazem Kadri can't find it. This actually goes off his stick blade now for a rush down the ice for one Gabriel Villiardi. As I'll pull back up my LA Kings roster again, I'll have to do so quickly because it feels like every time they have the puck, they're going to score. It's picked up now by Kadri. See if he can get more shifts. He gets taken down, or maybe he just blew a tire off the offensive zone entry to the right side wall. And Zadorov gets stolen. I follow off the two-on-one. But that was nicely played by Rasmus Anderson to break that out. Now Dubé with Lindholm as he's pinched toward the left side wall. It gives a couple of uh, stick whacks at Mikey Anderson. Sent back down for the gap-tooth Drew Towdy. Again, he's been one of the best defensemen for a long time. And he did not like that short rebuild. It felt long to him, he said. That was on the After Hours interview, but... Again, it only was a couple of seasons as this gets iced, and the L.A. Kings can be right back at it. And if they continue to get that goaltending in between Copley and Corpusalo and everything else they're showing tonight, they should be good going forward. Yeah, they should be good going forward, especially heading into the playoffs, because all things considered, everything is clicking right there for them. Nazem Kadri visibly frustrated that there was no penalty called. You could argue that you can understand this frustration. Maybe so, yeah. But then, either way, whether there be a penalty called there, that is up for debate. The one thing you got to say here, Alec, I don't care what the score line says, whether or not you're going to lose these two points. It's basically going to be likely at this point. Where's the pushback? You saw that on the power play side, but if you're Calgary, it's man-to-man -man in that locker room. you, you got to find something, another sort of gear. The game can't just end because when you have the Golden Knights again on Thursday, the time's running out. And those are teams that you have to be able to beat because you just haven't picked up enough points throughout the year. As this gets flipped in now toward the left side of the red line, it's Dowdy. He will collect as he settles it down. He'll slap shot this across the red line as Markstrom will take a look. And across the end boards in the kick plate. And this will get picked up by Nikita Zadorov. If you have a ticket to this game at Crypto.com Arena and you're a Kings fan, you've really been able to stand the whole time and you're not really sitting on your hands waiting for something to happen because you've had a lot to cheer about. With 4.25 left to go on the second, it's Blake Coleman now. He'll be the first to race to it. I'll have to try to get back to it is Zach McEwen. We'll watch this go around the end boards now for the LA Kings. Stature will brush this ahead for Backlund. It was a good design off the pass, but nicely read by the LA Kings, and that's a gorgeous sauce pass the other way. As Kupari drives to the net, this is Markstrom holding on the left side post. He's got it. We might have a penalty here. I'm not sure who's going to be on, but I'm not sure who's going to go on the box either. But no matter what, all I know is that there is a penalty coming up to one of these teams. So if it's on Calgary, oh boy, I don't know what to say here. But if it's on L.A., this is the moment for the Flames to strike here, whether it be for pride or if it's an, a, an attempt 
to try and make it unlikely come back down five goals. This would happen twice in the NHL. Remember that one game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and St. Louis Blues. And then it happened again between the, I believe it was the New York Rangers and Montreal Canadiens. But that didn't happen since the 2000s decade. Those are unlikely. Yes, it is. And on the Sportsnet side, at least before we went to commercial break, uh, Rick Ball and Kelly Hurdy were saying that it's going to be on the Flames. I do not have any particulars out in front, but when that happens, we will get that to you. As it stands right now, it's 4.56 left to go in the middle frame. It's 6-1 LA. So if you want to know how we got here, well, it was a complete slam dunk by the LA Kings to start the game. It was four goals after one. Carl Grundstrom, Drew Doughty, Gabe Villardi, and Victor Arvidsson. That is goal number 10, 6, 23, and 20, respectively. Tyler Toffoli made it 4-1, 31, 34 seconds into the power play in the second frame from Elias Little Michael Backlund. But it was Adrian Kempe with his 33rd and 34th. As the LA Kings are up 6-1, to one. Phoenix Copley, he's had about as easy of night as Alec and I in this broadcast. 10 out of 11 for a 909 save percentage. And for Jacob Markstrom, it's been the story all year, my friend. 739 save percentage out of 17 and 23 as the Flames are in the box. Yep, it is the Flames going on the PK right now. And a night has gone on bad. Wow. I don't know what to say right here, because, man, it's been the story. You have good games, you have bad games, and then there's tonight. Because, to your point, it was only the last couple games ago, they got a 7-2 win against the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's not like the Flames don't have some sort of possession and not know how to play and haven't figured things out. They just can't be consistent. As Backlund gets a shorthanded shot, Copley wanted to play it, but we're going to get an offensive zone draw for the Flames. And, and get something here on the on the penalty kill here if you're Calgary because you're down by five. Stop, so, it, so the focus is shifted from clearing the puck to scoring goals. Don't just shoot it on a round. You want to play the puck right now if you're Calgary. Absolutely. It's the only thing you can do right now. We talked about more activity here, Alec. It was just three shots in the first for Calgary. Well, now it's just nine, and that's still not enough as it's 23-12 to 12 on the shot board. It is a power play for the LA Kings. Kempe's got a pair in this period. He's got the last couple. Maybe he can be an option again as he likes being on that Ovechkin's office in that left dot as this is flipped back down again. And now Doughty. Get a chance to settle this up of the power play quarterback. It's impressed by Blake Coleman as he knocks down Doughty, but this will be an opportunity for the Kings to go ahead and get settled. And now it's a pass across as they'll gain the middle of the ice or peel back instead as this is a chance for the LA Kings to set back up. As now it's Philip Dano. Philip Dano and Byfield can't be held off the line for Doughty as this will go now for Dano. We'll make that cross ice pass. But for the LA Kings right now, just make sure you don't turn anything over or do anything stupid at this point. You're up by five. It's really all you need right now as it's flipped off the clear. 35 seconds left to go in the Kings power play. It's another opportunity for them to try to make something happen. Sean Walker will pick this up now here for Alex Iafalo off the stretch pass. And now Trevor Moore. He gets knocked down. Dano 
patient in the middle of the slot. Now Walker off the redirection. Byfield standing to the right side of the crease, but didn't fall there. Markstrom made the save. 20 seconds still left to go on the man advantage. Oh, there's something if you Jacob Markstrom. And, if, and Jacob Markstrom hasn't been the goalie that he has been over the last three seasons, if I recall here. Because, yeah, it's all gone crashing back down to earth for or Markstrom, even though he does have a shutout attached to him this season. But either way, well, there is another penalty on the Calgary Flames, and this is Dylan Dubé for tripping Trevor Moore. Caught him in the skates. Boy, oh boy, Alec, on that side. And to, to your point about Jacob Markstrom, I know Cooper Hopkins can say this well, but I'll try to be the stand-in on this side for him. I understand you have some rough years and things happen. He was dealing with... Uh, birth of a child I get that with the wife and sometimes you get some sleepless nights but you really expect to play a lot better you were second in Vezina last year as far as that you were leading in shutouts through February was seven at one point they had almost as many uh, shutouts and wins more so than the Montreal Canadiens did last year but he's just not been that guy and it kind of makes you wonder if you should pay seven million dollars to a goalie it's toward the right side dot and that's just, that hurts you when you're not getting the performance that you need. So Dowdy has it now. It's minute 50 left to go in this second. And good skate by Dowdy as this goes across the back end as they'll gain the red line side. As this is flipped in. This will go off the embankment now for a chance for the Flames. Try to go right to left in this period, but Backlund blows a tire. And I haven't said that too much because we haven't seen it too much. 134 left to go in the second. We might be getting a tripping call. So this isn't, this isn't a conventional way of blowing a tire, but it feels like if you're talking about blowing a tire, then I'm guessing that Drew Doughty may have made a pit maneuver on Michael Backlund <laughs> if you're talking about NASCAR terms. Thank you for that, because honestly I, I didn't see it. As it was picked up now toward the right side wall. Yeah, he just got an edge of that right skate blade. It was the front of the stick as he was holding on to that R1 button a little bit too long, apparently. So the Flames go to the power play. They're showing Drew Doughty right now. Most average ice time, 26-20 as far as the minutes. Only kill McCarr at 26-36 has more. So even still, Alec, Drew Doughty is the linchpin on defense. The old guard not letting up here and is showing that he's not a liability. Still, the Kings' top defenseman, and and yeah, they, they really missed his services in last year's playoffs. Cause, and now they're they're getting him back in time for the playoffs for this potential first round rematch with the Edmonton Oilers, pending a big standing stage as the Golden Knights face the Oilers for the first time in franchise history. Another playoff match that could happen is the Oilers facing the Dallas Stars, which could reignite. One of the most fierce playoff rivalries in the late 90s and early 2000s. Don't forget 1997, that breakaway by Todd Marchant. That's the seven-seeded Oilers upset the second-seeded Stars that year. I know you talked about that, that latter half between a possibility of Edmonton and Dallas. I'll be honest with you, Alec, I think that's the one I want to see the most in the first round. I think that could be spectacular alongside having Jake Ottinger we understand how good of a goalie he can be, but can he outplay that high-powered offense 
that Edmonton can feature. But Dallas, they've been showing of late that they can score just as much as this is a chance of a four-on-four here for about 40 seconds. And then it'll be an abbreviated power play after for the Flames. So Matt Roy plays this off the embankment here. Trevor Roy gets this a look, and this will be picked up here by Teapot. Tyler Toffoli as he'll settle it back down here for Mackenzie Wager. Off the stretch pass now. Toffoli will give it back and will gain the entry here for Michael Backlund. He'll just fire this obscurely into the right side of the red line, and that just seems like a turnover at this point here, Alec. you got to be able to get some sustained puck possession if you want to do something. Look, you got about 20 minutes left to go in this game. Probably not enough time anyway, but you got to do something different here if you're the Flames. So big hitting toward the middle of the ice, as that was a nice cleanup by the LA Kings. They just got in the right, they got in the right direction there. That's all you can say. As this is picked up now, off the drop pass here for Huberto. Looking for a tip out of the air, as this is what Tanev now. If they don't score, it'll be 25 seconds of uh, power play carryover time. This gets flipped down the ice. That's going to end the second period. LA Kings, Alec, they've ballooned their lead. It's 6-1 now. And I guess Eric Cartman is a happy man. Because we all know about him appearing on the Jumbotron from time to time. The latest when they made that video in that playoff series against the Oilers. And he was, yep, coming up to that Canadian. And it was cheering for all of Canada and then bashing him away. And then starting the Go Kings Go chant. <laughs> the Go Kings Go chants and some of the stuff they do at Staples and Crypto or whatever you store. Those are excellent. I know they have, uh, they have Little John there sometimes. They have, they have a lot of stuff going on in L.A. It's always a lot of fun. They seem to have a good time with it. So is there any particular direction that you want to go, my friend, as far as the second intermission? you got other teams that are on your mind? Any other thoughts? Because uh, we can go any sort of direction, but we know which direction this game probably is already headed in. Yeah, even though there's 20 minutes left in regulation, this game is pretty much sealed up. So as I'm looking around, the Frozen Four, I'm looking through these teams right now. The teams that I want to, to look at the most are Michigan and Minnesota. Those are no doubt the top two teams heading into the Frozen Four. Especially Minnesota boasting guys like Jimmy Snuggerud, Matthew Nice, Logan Cooley, yeah. Brock Faber, and Ryan Johnson. Those are the top players on that Minnesota team. And as you look at Michigan... Boasting high-powered offensive and firepower as an Adam Fantilli. And he's not the only one there. He's accompanied by guys like Rutger McGrory and Mackie Samuskevich. Yeah, and you got and Luke Hughes. Yes, I was going to say, you got Luke Hughes as well. And from that side of it between Minnesota and Michigan, that was a battle for the Big Ten Championship. Michigan able to pull that out late in the third period. And those names that you mentioned why they're particularly important, because I remember in the WJCs that we had a few months ago, all those names were on Team USA. So that's their development team on that side. You have incredible talent there. Should be a lot of fun. And as you talked about Griffin Cass on the Quinnipiac side, that team's always really good. Ram Pecknold is still their head coach. He was the head coach for the WJC side of that too. But I agree with you. In between Michigan and Minnesota, they should be the class of the league and uh, it should be a lot of fun. It seems like every single team that's in the middle of that, as far as they can participate in the Frozen Four and everything else and beyond, every single one of those teams have a chance, just like it is for the NCAA March Madness Tournament. But there is special, special talent in Michigan and Minnesota that are always hockey hotbeds. Of course. One team that I should not sleep on, Harvard. 
That's one team that I want to look at and possibly as a sneaky pick for the Frozen Four when you look things out. Because you have Ted Donato in his 18th year as Harvard's head coach. And, and to mention about that, they got some second-generation players in Merrick Aduk, the son of Milan Aduk, and Mason Langenbrunner, the son of Jamie Langenbrunner. And Mason, he's in the Boston Bruins organization, was the 151st pick of the 2020 draft. And not to mention, they got some guys like Alex LaFerriere and John Farinacci as well. Matthew Coronado is the star of the show for Harvard. In his sophomore season, the 13th overall pick of the 2021 draft, he's with the Calgary Flames organization. If you're Calgary, you'd wonder when he's going to come into the AHL or the NHL in that sense. Because Coronado, a very valuable piece to the Flames' future. I know you say that because when you mentioned that name, I was like, I, I do remember that he's on the Flames. And I'd hate to say uh, for Brad Treeliving as far as the general manager side of it, but hate to say he'd rush somebody in there, Alec, but I feel like you got to get him in there next year. I really do. They need some offense. Oh, yeah, you, you really need some offense big time. And another, and another prospect I want to see come up there, Connor Zary, he he was a first-round pick with the Calgary Flames, and I wonder when he's going to come up. And also, we we covered a previous Calgary Flames game before, and I think it was the hometown boy, Matthew Phillips, who got some NHL action. Yes. Yeah, and that should be a lot of fun on that side, too. I don't know if I lost you there for a second, so I'm just going to mute my mic real quick. All right, so as we go into there, we're seeing something here. The San Jose Sharks... Had three disallowed goals as opposed to one from Edmonton. That's a crazy development that, that we're seeing it. And we're tied at four apiece between the San Jose Sharks and Edmonton Oilers. So for those who don't know the scoring recap here, we're going to give it to you now. First period, Alexander Barabanov opens the scoring for the Sharks. Assisted by Tomas Hurdle and Mark Edward Vlasic. The 548 mark. Then it's Nick Bjugstad tying it up with his 16th of the year trade deadline acquisition from the Arizona Coyotes. The Apples from Warren Fogel and Matthias Janmark at the 708 mark of that first period. Then we go to the second period where Kyle Yamamoto opened the scoring just a half minute in in that second period. The assist from Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid. Then tying it up, Stephen Lawrence at the 832 mark of that second period. From Andrew Agazino and Matthew Benny. Then Eric Carlson getting the Sharks at the lead from Fabian Zetterland and Logan Couture. That's his first of two goals in that second period. Then Matthias Eckholm tied it up at three at 11.48 from Leon Dreisaitl and Evan Bouchard. Carlson again with his 22nd of the year and his second goal of the game that got the Sharks back to, on top from Barabanov and Martin Kaut. Then tying it up. Guess who? It's the trade deadline acquisition. The other one, Eckholm from McDavid and Dreisaitl at the 16-13 mark to get to the closing stages of regulation at Rogers Place in Edmonton. 4-4 to is the score here, though the Sharks had three disallowed goals and the Oilers had one. It's amazing to think about when you look at the number of disallowed goals in, in this game because... Just four combined disallowed goals in total. I wonder what happened over at that game because I, I'm not watching the game right now. As some world, as John and I are over at the LA Kings and Calgary Flames, 
but if you think about that, wow. Just looking at that alone is just, man, I don't even know. <clears throat> I'm back now. I appreciate that, Alec. I had to uh, step aside for a minute, so I appreciate you covering me. I know you were given the goal score and recap of that, so that looks like I should be able to flip to this now as we're in the middle of our intermission. So that one is tied, and you said there's been a lot of uh, disallowed goals. Let's just see if we can take a look at it here. So it's 4-4 with 47 seconds left, and I'll make sure that I'll keep my eye on the intermission time as somebody was looking up to the sky there. That was Leon Dreisaitl. So the Edmonton Oilers, as we're getting a live look in, is a minute six on their power play. And if they don't score here, they'll be able to carry that over into overtime. All right, so I, I'm just tuning in right now onto the Sharks and Oilers. So this thing here, 47 seconds show on my side. So 106 on their man of best. Shots are 42-29 Edmonton. So they start their top unit out there. So this looks to be Connor McDavid. And he's going to go ahead and win this draw. Put this around here for Bouchard. Here's McDavid with a slap shot bomb. As this is picked up now toward the right side wall. It's Bouchard. McDavid again! And that gets ripped around the inboards. Did that go up and on a play? I think that's what's going to be the call. Connor McDavid, no matter where he's on the ice, he just happens to be all so dangerous. Whereas him firing howitzers or him setting up plays on any side of the ice. It's just, he's the most dangerous player on the ice right now. Of course, whether you're in either one of these two teams, and, and yep, two slap shots, even though they both missed the nets, didn't miss by much. So Connor McDavid gets the offensive zone draw. Now working his way to the middle of the circles. It's R&H off the drop, and McDavid has to settle it back down. That was gorgeous puck movement. This is a Highlight real offensive opportunity on the power play for Edmonton. They're striking well over 30%. They could be one of the top power play units of all time. As this is picked up by Drysettle toward the right side of the blue line. Sent back down. We're going to OT here, Alec. So, if this goes to OT or shootout, if this sounds good with you, we'll finish this game and flip back over. Because I know i got to do the game story for the Kings and the uh, Flames. But let's uh, finish the rest of this game if you don't mind. This has been a good one because it's all still back and forth of action here between the Sharks and Oilers. We saw, we saw the defenseman from both sides scoring twice. Eric Carlson for the Sharks, Matthias Ekholm for the Oilers. So that'll be cool. And Alec is right. We'll get a chance to uh, look back over and then we'll flip back over to our game. I'm sure we'll be... We might miss a couple of minutes here. I don't normally do that, but considering what the score line is, we got something in front of us. It also has a lot of weight in the Pacific Division because the Oilers want to continue to get to that point totals and get their seeding correct. Uh, obviously, I think they're going to be a top three as far as everything is concerned, Alec. But again, for as good as they are, maybe they can get to a number two spot or anything else. Oh, uh, yeah, they could get to a number two spot, all things considered. And as I look back and want to replace Matthias Ekholm, a good blast. And, and then a, a great save by James Reimer on Leon Dreisaitl, robbing him on that spot. And also Cody Cece saving a goal. That would have got the Sharks up 5-3 earlier in that period. And yeah, that's the third period recap if you're the Edmonton Oilers. So now it's all even up at four. 
So, how about this, John? We call the shots here. So, pick one player from each side that you would see winning this game. I'm going to go with the easy button there for San Jose and say Eric Carlson. But I'm going to go outside the box for Edmonton. I'll go with Matias Ekholm. Oh, so is the, is the defenseman going for it there? So, honestly, that's a good choice. And either way, the hats are going to be raining down there. So for me, I'll agree with you on Carlson. For, but for me, the Oilers, how about, how, about, uh, how about Zach Hyman? I like that one, too. And I, I wanted to make sure both of us didn't pick McDavid or Drysaddle because it's just too easy. So McDavid now. Off the cross pass, he gets it back near the left side dot in the high slot. Richard try to make the pass to him and settle it back down. Now it's a chance for Drysaddle and McDavid in the high slot. Here's a stutter step. McDavid fires the wrister, and this one goes above to the left side of the post. Picked up here by Leon. As this is played across there from Brouchard back to Drysaddle. Now McDavid sends this around the end boards for Matthias Ekholm. This is a chance Brouchard. Settle it back down now with McDavid. McDavid in the middle of the circles, and this will fall back. Picked up now by Bouchard. Now toward the right side wall as Leon Dreisaitl. Looked like he might have got tripped, maybe, but this is still live, and this is sent back down here. So we're going to get four-on-four four action until we get a puck stoppage. That's how it is over to the power play, and then we'll go back to three-on-three three if we get that. So this is flipped back around here. Picked up by the Oilers. And now they'll take their time in their own end. It's a chance now. Darnell Nurse will make the stretch pass into the neutral zone. And this will be broken up. Evander Kane toward the left side of the wall. The left-hander try to wrap it right around across the blue paint. Rarmer wants to play it, but he can't. We're going to get three-on-three action in an offensive zone draw coming for Edmonton with 3.41 left. James Reimer knowing that he was trapped. Nick that was coming in tight. And had he played that one, Bukestad could have likely tapped that one like a baseball bat right into the net. Basically one of those, if you're a goaltender, tend to goal moments. But, for, but Reimer, knowing that he was coming in tight, throws it up so that doesn't happen. I want to see if we get to a shootout in a situation how good James Reimer's going to do. Because I didn't see who was in for the Edmonton Oilers. If you can help me on that side for that. but uh, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. Okay, so it should be pretty interesting to see what happens as far as the shootout between McDavid and Dreisaitl if they get to that. So now is a chance for Sturm. He's got it now here for the Sharks. Going to gain the entry. Miko Sturm might go coast to coast. And Campbell will hold on to it. Interesting decision to put Miko Sturm on the ice at the same time as Alexander Barabanov and Eric Carlson. But do remember... Sturm does possess that speed. That's what the Colorado Avalanche liked at him yes. when he was acquired from the Minnesota Wild at the trade deadline last season. This time around, Sturm didn't get flipped at the deadline, but he's been invaluable for the Sharks at a bottom six role. And, and that speed and that tenacity to get to the net, crucial. Absolutely. And Campbell's down toward the left side of the post as this gets flipped up and out of play. When you think about Sturm and Cogliano, Darren Helm, they were linchpins on that fourth line side for Joe Sackick's squad last year. And Sturm usually slotting in in favor of Logan. And Sturm and Logan O'Connor slotting in for one another. Yeah. And, and, that, and that fourth line kind of reminded me of the fourth line of Eric Fair, Matt Cohen, and Tom Kunakel in the 2016 Penguins run. That's pretty good on your part. As now this is a chance for a two-on-two -two opportunity. Drop pass, Darnell Nurse. 
and this one will go just a little wide as Drysettle's back out there with McDavid. You got McDavid, Drysettle, and Nurse. That is dangerous. McDavid will flip it to Drysettle now. He'll work his way off the backhand. McDavid now has it from Drysettle. Middle of the circles, toe drag, and Barabanov able to stay with him, but hard to dispossess Connor of the puck, but they do so now to the Sharks. And they'll have it. It's Carlson as he will slow it down. Some of the forwards will take a change. And now wide open on the right wing side, but the pass is a little bit too long. Has to get picked back up now by the Sharks, and they'll check this back up. Take their time now, but 2.20 left to go in this OT. 46 shots for Edmonton, 31 for San Jose. It's a 4-4 score line. We're getting a live look in between Edmonton and San Jose before we flip back over. It's 4-4. As San Jose has got it now. Tomas Hurdle through the five hole. And that was saved by Campbell, but it stunned him a bit. Oh, yeah. It, it surprised Campbell. But he knew that the shot was coming and had to make a quick reactionary save. But on the other side, it's very tough to stop Connor McDavid. But Alexander Barabanov was up to that challenge. And boy, did he defend well. So he stayed close to him the entire way as McDavid trying to do the toe drag right to the net. Barabana says, nope, no, no, you're not getting on crew. That was excellent defense on that side. He was shadowed all the way over. So this is trying to get picked up off the offensive zone draw here for the Sharks. See what Edmonton can do with it now. Off the back pass as RNH racing to the middle of the circles. But this is going to be... Pinch back up in the high slot off the drop pass. It's RNH now. He's had a great year. Centered out in front. Reimer somehow found it, but it's very busy toward the left side of the net now. And Edmonton trying to sneak this through. Five hole for Reimer. Where is it? He's looking behind him. He's got it, though. I don't know how many saves James Reimer made there. Man, did he play out of his mind throughout this sequence. 44 saves on the night so far, and once we're counting up the goal, the save totals, that's going to boost up his save percentage for sure. And he did wear 34 previously, now wearing the number 47. One chance, two chances, three chances for the Oilers. Man, he has been standing tall. Man, it looked like he wanted to play that Tomas Hurdle, and that was almost a disaster behind the net. There's a broken stick. Somebody's tied up. That's Connor McDavid. And here's the pass from Dreisaitl McDavid. He's on the left side in behind the net now, trying to send it off for Bouchard. Looking for a cross pass for Drysettle. Now Drysettle will sauce it out of the air. Connor's got it. And the high slot makes a pivot. Here's Bouchard. Off the outside of the post. The goal line goes on, but it doesn't go across. It gets bounced out of the air. The Sharks are still alive. The Sharks are still alive now. As this is Bouchard with Drysettle. And Dreisaitl's got it. We are still underway. Dreisaitl gains the entry toward the right side wall, trying to fight off one of the Sharks. Here's Carlson. And now Burabanov. Patient. Carlson off the two-on-one. He's got it off the forehand. Here's the cross pass, and that shot goes just wide as the Oilers pick it up. It's Dreisaitl. Connor, one-on-one, racing left wing, and a five-hole save by James Reimer. 30 seconds left to go on this OT. It's Carlson, patient with the toe drag. Now in the middle of the circles, trying to send it to the net as Edmonton trying to get this out of their own end. Here's a stretch pass 
for the Oilers. This could win it. Scores! Edmonton Darn Elders wins it 5-4. That has to be one of the greatest overtime sequences that you have ever witnessed in the regular season. Back and forth action. The Oilers getting all sorts of chances. It seemed the Sharks were going to win it right in front. There were chances left and right. Eric Carlson, a great A chance. Did the pass to the left. And then Darnell Nurse, the other side, for the dagger. There it is. And the Oilers gained the two points that they needed. Man, this has been exciting. Connor McDavid, I almost thought he had the winner right there. Alexander Barbanov, what great demon. And James Reimer doing everything, and I mean everything he can, to keep the Sharks afloat. But then, what? And earlier, I was like, what just happened? Evan Bouchard, so close to the winner's team that it may have went in the net. Oh my goodness, I was flabbergasted at that. How did that not go in? But then Darnell Nurse backed up Bouchard and puts the dagger home right past Reimer. You're seeing this live in action. Five hole. And it says everyone in Edmonton home happy. Wow, that was a gorgeous sauce pass from McDavid to Burchard out of the air. It hits the top of the crossbar. It spins like the top everywhere. The left side of the crossbar, the goal light goes on. And on the other end, a stretch pass, Darnell Nurse, five hole on James Reimer. Boy, Alec, that was fun. I'm glad that we got a chance to uh, call that in the middle. I'm going to flip back over now. And we will finish off our regularly scheduled broadcast as we are just underway. And I hope that I'm seeing highlights, but I guess maybe not. Dan Vladar is in that. Trevor Moore fired that right on. And that went up and out of play, it looks like. So Dan Vladar is going to finish this off. It's going to be his game with 18.30 left in the third. 27 shots to 13. And I'm glad to be able to say this on the recorder side, too, because I'm going to be listening to our call for the uh, Oilers and the Sharks I think for a little bit tonight, it'll keep me awake, as this is sent back down here for Zadorov. So Vladar's last game, we'll have to get to that in a moment. There's a break opportunity as Zadorov got his pocket picked. I think it was uh, several, several weeks ago, because this has been Markstrom's net for about the last three weeks. So this is Vladar's time to go ahead and get some time into this game. I know it's mop-up duty, but this is important minutes for Dan Vladar. It is, considering that he will get the nod in that tomorrow, given that this is a back-to-back -back yes. for the Calgary Flames. And tomorrow, they'll be facing the Anaheim Ducks in Disneyland. And and given that he's in net right now, get taking over in relief of Markstrom, he now has to play what seems to be, on paper, 80 consecutive minutes of hockey. Yeah, you called that exactly. Is This is flipped up now. That was Zach McEwen that almost had a break on our other end, and... Rasmus Anderson going to go off sides. 1757 we'll to go in the third. We know Daryl Sutter is always kind of stone-faced and mild-mannered, but you can see a little bit of the disgust on his face as the scoreline 6-1. It's, again, 27 shots to 13. It's been all L.A. from the onset. They led this one after 1, 4 to nothing. They've kind of just coasted their way through, trying to be one of the dominant teams in the Pacific. This is a neutral zone face-off win by Calgary. Again, they just need to try to make something happen. You're not going to win at this point, I wouldn't imagine, especially if you're L.A., you're not giving up that many goals. But still, you got to fight a little bit in this third. And Dan Vladar, as we said, it's important minutes. 
So eight games left and against the Pacific Division on the schedule for 11 games left on the season for Calgary. So make that one more meeting with the LA Kings and the Golden Knights. The last one will finish up on Thursday off the back-to-back with Anaheim tomorrow, as Alex said, 17-15 in the third. Here's a good stretch pass here for Adrian Kempe. He's on hat-trick watch. Picked up now for Gavrikov, and that's in the stomach of Ladar as he holds on. Oh, then, it's everything going right for L.A., and for, but for Calgary, it's been a whole different story. And, and Daryl Sutter, you point out the look of disgust in his face. Usually, Daryl Sutter hockey implies defensive presence left and right and getting the goals on the other side and saw goaltending. This has been anything but Daryl Sutter hockey. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder, we'll get a talking point here when we get a commercial break, about what's going to happen next. As this is picked up now for the right side of the red line, but this is the LA Kings. Again, they got the all-black jerseys at Crypto.com Arena. That's where we are tonight. And now Matt Roy tries to brush this here for Adrian Kempe off a stick check, but this will be with the Flames. Lindholm spins it around as he gets around the defense. And now Christopher Tanev will settle it back down here with Mackenzie Wager. They'll crisscross and try to do this again. Flames will gain the entry off the dump and with the wrist shot as Edler will take a look at it. So it's Edler and Walker. Third line defense for Todd McClellan's squad, former San Jose Sharks head coach. He's been a good one for a long time. It's picked up here by Pelchier. Pelchier now will settle this back across with Stetcher and Zadorov. And now here's an entry here for Pelchier toward the offensive end. He's got it toward the left side dot off the drop pass. Stetcher going to let one fly. Former LA King, but this will fall back to Philip Dano now. And Dano get absolutely bodied by Zadorov. And if the score line wasn't anything like it was, I think he might get a meeting. But you're not going to right now, the 6-1 time. But he got punched. Edler gets this back across for Grunstrom. And now Grunstrom, this gets settled back down. Vladar will take a look at it toward the right side post as Weger gets knocked down. And Calgary quickly moves this the other way with Adam Rzichko. Fire it right on, but this one goes off the outside of the cage. Lewis with some body contact as the Flames able to hold the blue line. They get a shot through traffic, try to get a tip out of the air, but the LA Kings can get to it first with 15.25. Left to go in this third. As it's flipped back down, Lewis and now Richie. Plenty of fourth line time right now for Daryl Sutter's squad. Maybe that tells you where the score line is at this point if you hadn't already figured that out. And Alex Kupari will flip it down as it bounces off of Tanev. And now 15.05 left to go on the third. Alec Nava with me on the color side. Drawn on here with him on the play-by-play. We're at Crypto.com Arena. We have the Belly Sports feed and the Sportsnet feed. So we'll let you know what we see. But it's 14.55 left to go on the third. It's been all L.A. That's all you need to know right now. This is without Kevin Fiala. As this is toward the left side of the circle with Chris Tanev. One of the L.A. Kings gets tied up as this gets... Picked up now toward the right side wall and held in, fired on, but this gets blocked off of Hannafin. And now Trevor Moore try to be the first to get to it with Blake Coleman. Off the long flip from about 60 feet, it's Jonathan Huberdeau off the two-on-one. Trying to keep it alive off the forehand. And now he'll just throw right to Philip Dano. Maybe he flubbed on it. It's another one of those turnovers for Huberdeau. He's not been particularly sharp in a lot of these games that I've watched, but I hate like I feel like I'm calling him out. As this goes toward the left wing side, and now sent back to the defense of Zadorov. 28 shots to 14 still, 6-1 LA. It's been their game from the word go, as it's offsides. Oh, and all things considered, and now you look at this, as it impacts the playoff standings, most likely, 
not 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 a lot is going to change given in the whole implication of things because LA is going to now move to a two-way tie for first in the Pacific Division race. On the other side, the Oilers, they extend their lead over the Kraken for third place in the Pacific Division. Yeah, that's going to matter a lot for Seattle and the fact that the Oilers were able to get two points because, Alec, they're struggling a little bit here toward the back end of it alongside with the Winnipeg Jets. And if it wasn't for Nashville maybe selling out as many pieces as they did or the 7 nothing loss we mentioned, they gave up six goals in the first the other day against the Rangers. They got destroyed. But if it wasn't for them selling off some pieces, uh, maybe Nashville could have snuck into one of those spots. But I'm just not so sure yet. Maybe. Maybe so. It's basically a what-if because Nashville eventually turned to sellers because nothing has been working out. And then immediately... Nino Niederreiter instantly clicks in that Winnipeg top six, especially with the absence of Cole Perfetti. Right, and they're definitely going to want to get him back because Cole Perfetti was having a pretty good rookie season, all things considered, for the Winnipeg Jets. they got to be able to find that offense again, and maybe when Connor Hellebuck gets back to his usual self, I mean, the Jets can be a good team, but they need some things to start going right. So they're tied for first are the LA Kings with a 931 team save percentage in March. How does that sound with all these other goals? It's got to sound pretty good for Todd McClellan and general manager Rob Blake as they are enjoying this one right now at Crypto.com Arena as this gets picked up here by Walker. And now he's got to make the outstretch pass right to left in this final frame. That's what it's going to be. It's turned over across the blue line side here for Nazem Kadri. And the fact, I know we mentioned about Kadri and some of the comments were made, but him continuing to see less and less ice time when Calgary needs points, I just don't think, again, that makes a lot of sense. I understand you might not be too happy about certain things, but if I have players that sit and stay quiet about everything that's going on, I wouldn't like that either. That's just me. I'm just giving you my thoughts as this is flipped back down now for 12.35 left to go in the third. And now off the backhand, it's Rizichka picked up here for Stetcher. And again, they'll gain the red line. Phoenix Copley will watch this go in between his legs. He's had a relatively easy night right now as he stopped 13 out of 14. And on the other end, it was Markstrom pulled after two periods. He gave up six. Stan Vladar is net right now at the last 12-10, no matter what. And again, as Alex said, probably playing tomorrow against the Anaheim Ducks off the back-to-back. As this is off the left side of the wall now, Richie with a stick check with Adam Rzichka. And now in behind the net with Richie as they'll collect. Rzichka trying to find it again. Drew Doughty able to hold off Richie and settle this back down in his own end. Drew Doughty has been a stable force for many, many years. He might not th throw those same type of crippling body checks, but he just can't continue to do that at the advanced stage. You've got to be able to stay on the ice and score some goals and get some assists. As Arvison's shot goes off the outside of the cage, that was a good stop there by Vladar off the short side, and Gavrikov will flip it in deep. Now here for Philip Dano. Philip Dano hasn't had the same type of second season, but I still think he's an excellent player. Is Trevor Moore has this now. Arvidsson gets stick lifted away by Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund's always consistent, even in games like these, as it's Rasmus Anderson. And around the end boards now here for Phoenix Copley. This goes off the referee, and now Copley makes the save off of the right pad and holds on with 11-10 left to go in the final frame. And, and Copley doesn't have to do much, but when he's been tested, he's been solid. Well, and and, and that everything is going on, on right for the Kings, well, 
I don't know if this is the appropriate time for a joke to be made, but Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright Copley. You know, the Phoenix Wright games are good, my friend. I, I like you throw that out there. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's, there's no such wrong time for jokes here on this side because this has been the type of game that it's been right now. Uh, Hypnotic in Texas on the YouTube side. How much Hypnotic are you drinking, my friend? You said the Flames will tie this game. If you really believe that and you put your money where your mouth is, uh, at this point you would get a lot in that plus return in, but they're not going to tie it. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, it's been that sort of night for Calgary. Yes, it has. So, as we look, as Alex said, on the wall card standings, it's essentially going to stand pat. Although the games in hand will continue to be less and less as the Winnipeg Jets will start at 81, Seattle at 83, Calgary, unfortunately for them, stays at 77 as the runway continues to run out. And as we said, and I think Alec made a good point of this, with John Gibson tomorrow, nothing's a given for Calgary on that end. And... I try to nothing talk, is. No, nothing is. And I, I try to talk about this with Cooper, and I can talk about this with Alec now in the sense of, you know what, it seems like you're taking an 82-game ride with Calgary, but how many times can you continue to not get points on the board before you fall flat on your face and miss the playoffs? Because it seems like between the Kings and the, the Golden Knights now, Alec, this is the final week for the Flames to get points, and essentially, if they don't do it, I think this could be over now. They got to get them fast, and, and you got to start right now, when it comes to that, and that, that starts as soon as tomorrow night against Anaheim. Though, against John Gibson, as we both mentioned, nothing's a given. Even though Anaheim is the worst goal differential in, in the entire NHL, minus 100. And, and, and at one point, they allowed a whopping 33... <clears throat> I, I, I can't remember the exact stat, but it shows 33-something, which is the most in the NHL, ahead of Arizona and Pittsburgh. They're at 17 and 15. Oh. This is picked up now by the Flames off the back. It's Coleman fighting to the net, and the Flames score. This might be window dressing, but they'll take it. Don't know if it's going to be Noah Hannafin's goal, but it was Huberto with the pass and tight. Make it 6-2 to two now. Uh, yeah, I got cut off because of that goal because, because I was looking at it. So several whacks at this puck. This was bouncing right in front. But any goal for Calgary, they'll take it. Even if it is one that is rather ugly looking and that bounced off of Copley's glove. So let's see here. So Coleman got the initial shot. Hannafin got a touch on it. Did it push Copley's pad? That's the big question. But we'll see here. He goes down. Crashing out, so LA's not going to challenge this. So I think it's the right call is top, but for top of club because they're not going to try and waste a timeout here. But Calgary, any goal, don't take it. Even though it may be too little, too late, don't take it. And it gets you, you tomorrow night. I think that's well said by you. There's no point for Todd McClellan to do anything else other than that because if you lose the challenge, then you go ahead and give Calgary a power play anyway when you're already up by four now at worst. So this is picked up into the left side of the red line, and yes, they will take it, and they're going to have to find much more of it because, as you said, with John Gibson, he's able to make some of those saves. He could probably get about 50 in a given game, but Calgary doesn't get a chance to get uh, too many shots unless they're able to fire them from the blue line side. They 
Kind of lead at that point, but not high-quality shots as Villiardi's chance gets flipped up and out of play. And you know, this is Daryl Sutter's second stint in Calgary because I remember that first stint in that 4 Finals run. Because and, and like that 4 Finals run, this, <clears throat> de this defensive core is basically a number one defenseman by committee by this point. Yeah. Yes, they are. I mean... We knew that Calgary's strength would be some of their back-end defense, and again, they've had some struggles a little bit as far as some offenses, with the exception of Rasmus Anderson, but their scoring in their line one is definitely by committee, because when you lose somebody like Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Matthew Kachuk, you just don't replace 200-point players in the same season. And I can't ever remember losing 200-point players in the same season as Billy Hardy is down. He got absolutely worked on that end. And I hope that he's okay. He is slow to get to his feet. Oh, man. So, uh, he, even though the Kings are up by, by, by four here, man, I just hope that he's okay. He came crashing down awkwardly into the boards, and now he's getting some help from the training staff. Fans are not happy here because they thought that Calgary should have gotten a penalty there. And they're standing up, hoping that Velarde is okay. So he's getting looked over by his teammates. So he's got, getting up on his own power as I'm looking over at the Valley Sports West feed where Alex Faust and Jim Fox are calling the game. So he's getting under his own power. So he may be all right, but there may be something going on here. We'll check the status here later on. Yeah, again, I see him skating under his own power as well. We're going to get a commercial break. I don't know if that was a... Uh, I don't think there was anything too malicious about it, but the fact that when Weger threw the check in toward the player's bench, there was no chance for Villiardi to be able to protect himself, and he fell backwards into the right boards. Thank God these guys wear helmets and all that stuff, because remember, way back in the day, you didn't wear any of that stuff, have some sort of protection. So Villiardi skating under his own power as we go to commercial break. Hopefully he continues to be okay. The insane part about helmets is back in those days, wearing helmets was frowned upon back then. <laughs> yes. And nowadays... As player safety is getting emphasized more and more, you see players wearing visors as part of their helmets. And the only, there are only eight guys who do not have a visor with those helmets. And there's only guys, those are before the rule changes take into place yes. that every that player, ever since the rule change, is required to wear a visor. Only eight players remain from the pre-visor requirement era. I know one of them that I see a lot of time covering Flames games, but he didn't draw the lineup tonight, was Milan Lucic. He doesn't wear one. He was one of the ones before that. Yeah, and both Ben brothers, Jamie and Jordy, they don't wear visors either. And a former Edmonton Oiler doesn't wear one, Zach Cassian. I still can't imagine, Alec, when you're playing a sport like that, that you had goalies that didn't used to wear helmets stopping pucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine either about how many times they have to have those pucks bounce off their heads and stopping in the puck. Yeah, there's been a lot of things that have changed. I think most of them are for the better. I know people are going to talk about the QMJHL, maybe banning fighting. I don't see that happening in the NHL, at least not anytime soon. I'm not going to sit and have a problem and say that that's going to be an issue. I don't want to see other 16-year-olds punch other 16-year-olds in the face. But I will say this, when you get in the NHL, you got to be able to protect yourself. 
You're still going to have physicality in the game. I don't think that's going away anytime soon either as we get a little half and half on the Sportsnet side. So hopefully everything continues to be okay on the other end for the LA Kings as they showed Alexander Edler on the players bench side of it. But this is now a 6-2 scoreline still. 9-40 left to go on the third. And this is picked up off the hybrid ice it looks like. We're going to go the other way. And just something out of the way because... I, I, I regret to inform you that I, I'm going to be on a three-day hiatus because I'm doing a video vlog, so I wanted to get this out of the way. Happy early birthday to you, John. Thank you, Alec, on that side. I appreciate you joining me on the broadcast, man, as far as that, because I'm going to be the same thing for me. I'm going to be busy for the rest of the week, so I appreciate it, buddy. It's always a blast to work with you, regardless of even what the score lines are. It's a lot of fun. You bring a lot to the broadcast, and I really appreciate it. As you no problem. It's sent back around now for... Uh, Matt Roy, I know some people will throw those words out there and they'll seem a lot of emptier and try to blow smoke, but like I said, Alec, you, uh, as for everything else that you bring, you're a hockey encyclopedia, so it's going to be a lot of fun when we get a chance to win some playoff games as well, because that time's coming, and I'll make sure that I message you on that end. So this is picked up now here for Kadri. Now off the backhand side, it's Peltier, as this is sent back around here for the LA Kings. LA Kings, they're in cruise control mode, but you can say that ever since the first period, they haven't conceded much. Now we're going to get some pushing and shoving. I thought we might see this here, Alec. We'll see if anything does happen. So no gloves are being dropped, but Quentin Byfield may have taken a shove from Nikita Zadorov, and yeah, the tensions are getting chippier. You see the fans cheering on the chippiness going on. You know something's growing here. And Zadorov, yeah, he's going to get two for roughing here. Yeah, that shove clearly showed that he's venting his frustrations on, on that play. And Zador so, see, Zadorov approaching. And yet, clearly shoving Byfield down. And Byfield getting bl blasted down to his knees on that shove. A little surprised that nobody dropped the gloves and took exception on the LA Kings side. But as we're seeing here, as Kadri was trying to enter on through, taking a check from Adrian Kempe right towards the boards. And then Kadri trying to go after Kempe. And yeah, that, I think that's what all started the whole thing. The whole pushing and shoving. And that escalated right to Zadorov's shove on Byfield. So, it shows Zadorov and Kadri venting uh -huh. their frustrations on this game because this has been a total nightmare for Calgary. Zach McEwen with a friendly wave to Nikita Zadorov. I think he's done for the game here. Alec and Kadri is in the box now. Oh uh, yeah, that's what started the whole thing. So McEwen with the, the wave, I think that's a ten minute misconduct yes. if anything, because by by this point it is blowout territory by this point. And uh, McEwen's still out there. Kadri's uh if you're a lip reader on that side for sports night, he's dropping some F bombs in there in the bench. He doesn't like the call. It looks like maybe uh Peltier in the box as well. So it's a two-man advantage here for the L.A. Kings. Yeah, and, and I think Zadorov is done for the night here. Yes, he is. He's definitely done for the night on that side. And if I'm Adrian Kempe, let's get that hat and get it done now. So this is Kupari. This is now Anderson. Anderson will be patient. As this is Grunstrom, we'll have it now in the middle of the circles. Off the touch pass, it's Drew Doughty. Pick it up now near the left side dot. Lots to cheer for if you're an L.A. Kings fan tonight. You're going to draw within that tie of the Pacific. As that was brushed aside, good save there by Vladar with the right pad. 
And I think we might get another call. There may be something against L.A. McEwen doesn't like it. He's wondering what the heck is going on, but they sent him right to the box. Yeah, two, two minutes we're looking. It's the official call from the, on the referees as we're looking on you. So he, he's setting up right to Swat, trying to go after Carl Grunstrom, trying to poke this past Dan Vladar. But Vladar closing it off his left pad, and then McEwen. Yeah, that was all kind of lice. Went home coming from behind. But if you're L.A., that won't matter much because you're sitting comfortably. You're on a four-on-three, so it's a two-minute minor, and you have a minute 27 to work with on that four-on-three with both Kadri and Pelletier in the box. So that penalty really doesn't matter much if you're L.A. Even with this scoreline, and I know we did this side-by-side -side coverage between the Sharks and the Oilers, we've seen a lot of interesting things here today, Alec, on that end. And now we'll see what happens on this four-on-three power play. As it's Victor Arvidsson trying to get a piece of the snow. This bounced up in the air. Backlund trying to get a piece of it away from Dowdy. Dowdy's got to spin around to find it. And this goes in between the middle of the circles now where the LA Kings have it. Mikey Anderson touched past Dowdy. And that was saved five hole. And that centered out in front. Vladar brushed it aside. But this is on the right side of the blue line. As this gets sent back down now. Dan O. Here from Mikey Anderson. Crisscross. And now it's Anderson. Give it back to the right side, Dot L.A. Kings. They'll stay patient as Arvidsson will throw it to Dan O. Here's Mikey Anderson. He lets it go and scores! 7-2! My goodness! I don't know what else to say here, but wow. L.A. has got the extra points here. So the kick is up, and it's good. Mikey Anderson converts. Off the one-touch speed, right across from Philip Deneau, firing top left corner. That's the place that he went to, and I think that was the same place that he went to on that tying goal that set it 8-8 against Seattle earlier in the season. Even though L.A. lost that game, that was the more, most exciting game of the season. All the fans clapping here at the Crypt, or Staples Center, however you want to call it. This is still the building that's shared in between the Clippers, the Lakers, and the LA Kings, although the Clippers will be getting their own building soon. Daryl Sutter just, he's, the look says it all. I, the, the pictures tell you a thousand words, that's what they say. 7-2, Mikey Anderson with the ladies with a beautiful roof, roof shot near the left side of the post. Now the LA Kings, it's 4-on-4, four four. I don't think they're done yet. As this is picked up here by Calgary now. Calgary gains the entry off the backhand as this is picked off from Dubay. And now LA has it with 7.05 left to go in the third as it's Rasmus Kupari. Kupari, a couple of stick drags, and it'll send this back down deep here for Alexander Edler. So this game's been over for a long time now as Mikey Anderson gets his fifth of the season. That's what Sportsnet's got with Philip Dano and Victor Arvidsson. Vladar will play it. This is Jacob Peltier. Pelche with the pass as the Flames attempt to go left to right as this is entered now. Here for Toffoli off the cross pass, sent back down the ice. So Calgary has an abbreviated power play, but it's only for about 10 seconds. Again, 7-2 scoreline. It's been all L.A. pretty much right from the onset. They were up 4-0 after 1. And a game that Calgary had to have as far as points or at least get some kind of positive result they're going to get absolutely nothing out of this. And Dan Vladar's also been blemished for his first of the game. He's 
played the carryover time from the third after Markstrom was pulled after 40 minutes. And he might actually, like Alex said, play off the back-to-back tomorrow against Anaheim Ducks at the Honda Center. As this is a hit on the other end and sent back down as Stetcher will recollect. 5.50 left to go in this third. 35-17 on the shot board. And again, as we talked about, Alec, there has just not been enough activity for the Flames throughout this game. There wasn't a single thing that went well with the exception of one power play aside. They just got work tonight as Quentin Byfield lost it. Adam Rosichko tried to get it in between his skates, but Kopitar will settle this back down. 525 left to go in the third. Drone out here with you on the play-by-play. We got the mix in between the Belly Sports and the Sportsnet feed. Alec Nava, kind enough to join me tonight as we take this laugher in. Sometimes that happens, but we did give you a live side look in the Oilers and the Sharks. That was a lot of fun during the second intermission. As is picked up now by the LA Kings. They have it. It's Arvidsson. Wicked wrister, and this goes off the blocker of Dan Vladar. And now sent the other way for Blake Coleman. We'll just flip it in toward the left side red line now as it's overskated by Dowdy. Jonathan Huberto tries to send this in the middle of the slot, but Tanev can't hold the blue line. And Calgary is going to have to retreat with 4.50 left to go in the third. Tanev will wire it back in up the slop shot clear. We'll just find ZLA Kings with Drew Dowdy. Drew Dowdy trying to battle through a couple stick lifts. He'll delay. Spin this back around to the referee to his defensive partner, Mikey Anderson, who plays it right back across. LA Kings try to get into the neutral zone now. Chip and chase this one. Actually might bounce back to one of the LA Kings. Now toward the right side wall. Couple stick battles now as the Flames have to peel back around with Jacob Peltier. It's Mackenzie Wager. Lays it to Peltier toward the right side wing. Now in the middle of the slot. He gets stick lifted. And this is a good takeaway the other way. It's Gunstrom. Sauced out of the air. And off the top of the post. Is it in? Yes it is. Gunstrom 8-2. Well, forget the extra points. How about a two-point conversion to add to that? So, yeah, the touchdown and the two-point conversion, and Grundstrom netting his second of the night on that sweet feed from Rasmus Kupari. The fourth line connecting once again, going top shelf once again on Vodar. And, and Chris Tanev, unsure where to play the, the pass or the shots, but Kupari... Just elevated that pass right to Grundstrom. That was a sweet dime. Man, that was a gorgeous feed, as you said, Dan Vladar. By the time he could even look around, and the puck was already in and out. That was a perfect pass, a perfect shot. I don't think there's anything Dan Vladar could do about that one, but Calgary got punched in the mouth tonight as this falls back to Dan. 3.52 left, and this clock can't move fast enough. Huh? Couldn't have said any better than that. (laughs) There is no mercy rule in hockey. No, there is not. It's just the way it rolls sometimes. And again, as we talked about, Alec, I know it's at the expense of Calgary, but this should have been a desperate Calgary team tonight. And I don't see that. I see all the desperation on the home team side as they'll be 41-20-10 on the season. LA Kings will move into a first-place tie in that Pacific. They look good. I have no complaints from anything that we've seen tonight from them. Not at all. Everything worked to perfection. Eight goals, that's a sign that you you should win these games every time. Well, even though they may have lost an OT to Seattle while scoring eight goals, this time around, 
scoring the Flames 8-2 here, well then, you've done everything right. And as you said, it's without the leading point scorer in Kevin Fiala, and I also got to make mention of this too, whether or not he plays in the second or third line time sometimes, Sean Dursey's also injured, and he's a good young defensive piece. So when you think about, I'm going to make sure I pull up my numbers, Kevin Fiala, 22 goals, 46 assists, 68 points. That's nothing to sneeze at as far as the point total that you don't have in this game, but LA Kings made it look easy. Yes, nothing to sneeze at when you look at that first glance. Even though he's been out for a while, he shows that he is the Kings' most valuable player, arguably so. And I think he is with his style of play going back and forth. And even though they're, they're without the MVP that the, of the this Kings team, they, they can walk home happy. Yes, they can. And for the LA Kings, just as much as everybody else, they had a very busy first half of the schedule. And that's what people were worried about. Were they going to get hot? You know, obviously he played like five or six more games, more so than other teams, and that was known from the first part. Will they get hot out of the All-Star break? Well, they've been the league's best. They've been on a mission. They're looking like one of the top teams in the Pacific. I think if we asked Alec, I can ask him right now from the way the scoreline is, did you think the LA Kings would win the Pacific to begin the year? Well, what's that again? I said, did you think the LA Kings would win the Pacific to begin the year? No, I thought there was going to be the Edmonton Oilers at first, given the, the moves that they made the offseason, but maybe they, they may still have a chance. It's an outside chance at it, but this could go either Vegas or LA's way, but don't count Edmonton out. No, I agree with you, and I'll give you that, because I was, I was throwing that out there just to see if maybe we had thought the same thing. I actually thought the LA Kings might win this one in the Pacific. I didn't expect the Golden Knights to do everything that they've done right now. There's another shot off the rush. Ladar makes the save. And if I'm Calgary, I don't think I want to get into a pushing shoving match after all this stuff was the door of already being suspended. Just get this game over with and get to Honda Center quickly. I'd run out of the ice. <laughs> or, or board a bus to Anaheim. Anything to forget about this game and move on to the next one. Or maybe, don't burn the tapes here. Study them and learn from your mistakes here. Word of advice there for Calgary. Study them and learn from your mistakes. You know what, Alec? I completely agree with you on that front. I think you have to. Because you want to be able to not repeat some of the same things against Vegas. Because they're going to be pretty uh, excited to get back and get some revenge after losing 7-2 to just a couple of games ago. So the first eight-goal game against the Flames, thank you Sportsnet for this, since 1993. Wow. And, and, and that was the post-Gretzky era for the Edmonton Oilers in, in that sense. So we have seen some things that you don't normally see tonight. Ten goals aside, unfortunately for one team, eight of them are on one side of the bracket. If you're a home fan, the LA Kings, you're feeling good. Up 8-2 to two with about 2.30 left to go in this third. As this is now near the left side of the wall, Philip Dano gets taken a seat. As this is picked up now by Arvidsson, but he's being shadowed nicely by Tanev. Tanev now with Dano toward the right side of the red line. He's able to keep this alive and throw this out in front. As this gets settled back down for Gavrikov. Here's the cross pass for the LA Kings. Can they maybe get even one more if they want to? It certainly feels like they can. They've had no problem scoring tonight. And they haven't given up much either. 
Again, no disrespect to Phoenix Copley because he's been brilliant, but the way that the Calgary Flames have played, you could throw Alec or I in net right now, and he might have the same chance to get a W. First time allowing eight goals since February 15, 2020 for the Calgary Flames, as this is sent back around now for Noah Hannafin, and now it's Stetcher as they've mixed the line. Stetcher turns it right over, and now it's Trevor Moore toward the right side walls. It's spun around for Ayafalo, but it's up into the fans. And an even better night for the fans because they get a puck home. How about that? <laughs> yes, they do. And they keep showing this on the Sportsnet feed. And again, to your credit, Gretzky, Robitaille, Blake, Dustin Brown. You see some of those names there for the LA Kings. You got to feel very good right now. The Go Kings Go, the Wave, everything else is alive and well. It's been a great one for the home fans, and it's never been a contest. So this is a defensive zone draw. This is for the Calgary Flames, and again, as we said, you try to pick these games on the late NHL night, get you something good to uh, talk about, but sometimes you get nights like these, but very disappointing, Alec, on the other end. Calgary, you had a lot to play for, but you just didn't have it tonight. Uh, not, not at all. All things considered, because 17 shots... And the Kings have more than doubled the amount of shots yeah. that you do. At one point, more goals than you had shots. That was at the end of the first period. It, it, this game was basically over ever since puck drop. Yeah, and that's not what Flames fans want to hear, but it's the truth. They just they never stood a chance in this game to the way it started. And it all started with the lack of activity on offense. We keep bringing that up. That's the case. It's 39-17. to 17. It's not good enough. You had three shots after one period. And Stetcher off the rush makes the save. Copley holds on, and we got just over 60 seconds before this game is mercifully over. And Alex Faust just noted from the Valley Sports Westbeat that this was the first shot by the Calgary Flames ever since the Noah Hannafin goal. Somebody to point that out. Wow. I mean, look back in the broadcast on that side. I mean, that was maybe 10 minutes ago on that side so that's just that's not good enough and this is picked up now off the defensive zone draw sent back down on the left side red line I could probably take a nap for the rest of this but we'll just call this last 45 seconds as now it's Lewis off the stretch pass and then gain the red line now as Copley will take a look at it Lewis try to be the first to get to it but it's not gonna matter LA Kings it's been a route from the very beginning as Phoenix Copley had one of the easiest nights you could ever have in the NHL as they pick up a W. It's 8-2. to two. Sent back around the end boards now as this is picked up by the Flames and toward the left side red line. Flames will just watch themselves lose two points, but they've got to put it behind them because they play the back-to-back -back tomorrow against the Anaheim Ducks and against John Gibson. So nothing's going to be a given. The crowd rises to their feet. Alec, it's finally over. 8-2. to two. L.A. wins this one over Calgary. Ah, finally. Calgary can put this one behind them, and then they can watch the footage and see the many things that went wrong with this game, and then study them in time for the game against the Anaheim Ducks. But if you're the L.A. Kings, you got to be feeling good right now. Now you move into a first-place tie for the Western Conference with the Vegas Golden Knights. And now this slate of games for tonight is over. So next up, if you're L.A., so it's not until 
Uh, okay, I'm trying to check your schedule right now so to see when their next game is. It's not until Saturday when they have their next game, and that's against the Winnipeg Jets. So they're going to have much-needed break there for quite a while before they have a set of back-to-back for the weekend. Uh, First against pretty, Winnipeg. That's pretty good, Alec. You get a chance to feel really good about this one. And then you get a chance to go ahead and punch Winnipeg Jets possibly in the mouth at home. You get to stay at home, so you get to sleep in your bed if you're living in L.A. And you got Saturday-Sunday games against Winnipeg and St. Louis. That sounds pretty good, the way the L.A. Kings are playing right now. I think they're going to win both those games. And for Calgary, as we said, it's tomorrow night against the Ducks. Man, that's going to be crazy. I'm going to make sure I watch Twitter tomorrow to see what the fans are saying because... They lose the Ducks. You could write this one off for Calgary as the season's going to end. Man, this season has not gone the way it's expected for the Flames. That's all I can say about that. Absolutely. Hey, Alec, I appreciate you joining me. I know we're both going to be busy through the rest of the week, so I'll try to figure out something next week. Thank you very much. I appreciate the early birthday wishes. I appreciate the broadcast. Regardless of everything happened, it was a lot of fun tonight. That uh, Sharks-Oilers thing was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got a chance to do that, too, in the middle of the intermission. Have a good one, buddy, during the week. I hope you, wo- hope you do well. Thank you. You too. All right. We'll see you. See you around.